Hello, everyone. Good evening. It is, uh, what's the date today? Wednesday, April 15th. My, personally, my, I believe, sixth week working indoors, but I've kind of lost track. Uh, I did the math on how much I've saved by not taking Go Transit every day. Um, that's not so bad. That's a plus. That's a small plus in life. Actually, a really big plus uh, right now, personally. But enough about Go Transit. Uh, I have been... I'm finally all caught up. I, I had a feeling that I would get some interesting reactions by announcing that I was watching... Um, that I was watching Rise of Skywalker last week. Um, that went places, uh, I'll say that. Um, it was a time, to say the least. Uh, yeah, anyway. We are, uh, hitting the ground running. There's a, a the, the Alexander Holtz video is out for McKean's and uh patrons now so you can watch it the next one also went out to pa patrons around 8 30 so there's going to be uh also the written part i didn't mention it in the patreon post but the written part is up now it took i forgot the website backend designer i use you have to actually hit publish uh you can save the post and post it but it doesn't go to the site until you publish it so i had to hit the publish button uh but it's up there so if you want to read the text behind the video you can check it out on the website so it is it, it is available um but yeah so there's one coming uh, public tomorrow so alexander holtz will be public tomorrow and the day after uh not sorry the day after uh not that um it'll be saturday i'll be making the next one public it's a pretty good one both of the next two are pretty good i i've liked it um I, I, I've, I've enjoyed making these two, and there's going to be at least two more filmed on the weekend. Probably three, if I can get enough tracking done between now and then, which should be doable. Uh, work for me has been a little nutty, doing a bunch of things there. It's actually picked up in the last couple of weeks, which is kind of a good thing, I guess. Um, it's been, it's a, I work in a weird industry, and uh, last thing I'll say before we move into this, but I work in a weird industry very heavily related to the YouTube world. And it's fascinating to see how people's behavior change has changed since uh, and, and viewing different sort of metrics and everything and, and how things have changed both on the views front and the revenue front. It's kind of interesting to see how that's changed. Um, but I'm sure you don't want to be bored about how YouTube works. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm just going to jump right into the questions because there's already a bunch and I know it's going to take me forever because uh, not because the questions are bad, but because my brain just can't stop saying words. Um... Math is Deja Dan. First, first of the week, every week, buddy. What's going on, man? How are you? Um, glass to cat uh, with a, with a, with a question. Hello. Uh, this might be a random question. How does a guy like Cameron Crotty get ranked in the top hundred in twenty seventeen by multiple scouting outfits out of the CHCHL? So yeah, um, Cameron Crotty got his ELC, which is fine. Um, I, from what I remember, I had never seen him play until he was drafted. He was a guy who, uh, he was a guy who really was more of like a defense first and only defense kind of guy. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. Uh, I, I don't know how good of a player he'll be at the next level. I mean, sometimes guys with really low production do sort of work out as sort of bottom end guys, 
You know, the most recent example so far has been Ryan Lindgren, who was a pretty good defensive defenseman for the Rangers this year. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of Ryan Lindgren, but again, it goes back to that argument we have all the time about what style of hockey you prefer and kind of what works for 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 what's conducive to how you want to win. And for Ryan Lindgren, I mean, I like him for a defensive, you know, suppression job. I just like every player on the ice to be able to play at both ends. That's kind of my ideal scenario uh, and, and work around that in terms of what, you know, what are the benefits to maybe someone more offensive or a little bit more defensive and what are you trading off to get those things? And someone like Ryan Lindgren might be a little bit too much of a trade-off to get that solid defensive ability for me, um, but it's working for him and the Rangers seem to like the guy. Uh, and Cameron Crotty, you know what? I don't know if I see him even on the same level as a Ryan Lindgren, but I, you know, someone like a Dylan Sandberg kind of fits that Lindbergh profile from what I remember. Uh, Cameron Crotty, though, we'll see. It's an ELC. If it doesn't really work out, then whatever. Uh, he, he, I've never been extremely impressed with him, but the Coyotes, you know, they've been pretty high on him, and 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 I guess we'll see. But but it's more about that defensive side. You know, you can count points as long as you want, but sometimes teams just ignore it in favor of some other stuff. And like Cameron Crotty can play defense it's just that's about really from my viewing that's about it uh jordan m hi will hi jordan uh and then the other wills here will l uh how's things things are good uh i'm edgy i'm i'm like i mentioned i've seen all the star wars movies now so i don't know why that's the main thing that's been on my mind since i saw that movie um but yeah that things are fine working indoors staying indoors Got to go to the grocery store this weekend, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, life is fine. I'm extremely fortunate that I just moved into this place, like, weeks before this happened. So so we've been very, very lucky. Because otherwise we'd be uh, in my parents' house where they're old and I don't really want to tinker with that. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, there's, uh, you know, I could be back in my old apartment, which would also be really stressful. It was a very dense neighborhood in Toronto. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy to be sort of on my own with, with my partner and we're hunkering down pretty good. Uh, thoughts on Holloway from Ryan Frechette. I like Dylan Holloway a lot. So the thing about Dylan Holloway, I, I feel like someone asks me about him once a week. So his production wasn't great this year. His first half especially wasn't great. Uh, but, but I think you have to look through the lens of, of Wisconsin. He was bouncing around the lineup a little bit. He was bouncing around positions a little bit. Uh, he was coming from the AJHL, which I think is, you know, a little bit overrated as a league. The more and more I watch it, uh, that there's a big adjustment there. And Wisconsin as a whole didn't seem like a team that could really get a whole lot going. Uh, their defense was shallow. Keandre Miller was, I think, trying to do a little bit too much on his own. Uh, and they didn't really have a ton of defensive depth. I think he's, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, a, a slow burn. I, he needs at least another year in college, if you ask me. Um, you know, him with Cole Caulfield more often next year should be interesting. They really seem to split the talent up on that team quite a bit. Uh, I think his most common line mates were guys like Roman Akan, who's, who's really good. I've, I've really enjoyed watching him. Um, and someone else I can't remember, but I, I, I think Dylan Holloway's got a lot of potential. Uh, he's, he's one of those guys who does a lot and then it all kind of falls apart and you wish it didn't. So he'll get his defensive zone exits, his offensive zone entries, um, you know, he's got a lot of skill to him, but sometimes he tries to use that skill a little bit too much. Um, but he's got a lot of determination. He's plays, he plays really hard. Uh, I, I like him a lot. I think that, you know, 
you, you're going to need to be patient and understand that he might not be a, you know, top six center for your team long-term, but like a middle six, you know, useful forward in multiple positions and scenarios, I think might be something useful. Like he's one of these Swiss army knife guys who has flashes of something really, really good. Um, and again, I think those flashes are going to show more because last year in the AJHL, he was dominant. Uh, he, he was extremely good in that league. Uh, you know, so next year I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, he was doing some good things on the ice this year. Uh, it just felt like Wisconsin as a whole kind of deflated everything. Uh, they, they're a tough team to watch this year. They, they, I think they finished last in their conference. So hopefully that changes moving forward. I haven't looked at their roster for next year yet, but, but, you know, they lost Alex Turcotte. They still have a few of the guys from this year's team coming back. Um, so we'll see. I think Keandre Miller also signed his deal. So I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be hard, but I think that Dylan Holloway could, if he slips, which is entirely possible, he could be a good pickup, you know, towards the end of the first round if he gets that far. Uh, but I have a mid mid teens. I probably wouldn't start thinking about him until where it's displayed here. Like 14, 15 is where I'd probably start thinking about it. Um, but you know, he's a good player, lots of skill. Just hard to read because of the situation he was in this year from, from what I've seen. You know, not a perfect player, but, you know, he's he's got nice upside, I think. Uh, nice nice potential to reach something quite exciting. Uh, Nick D. Sabella. If the, Sabella. I'm going to assume it's Sabella. If the Devils draft Rossi, do you think it makes more sense to go with three possible number one centers approach, or would you rather move him to the wing to play with Heesher or Hughes? It depends on what your team looks like. I mean... I think Marco Rossi gets a cup of coffee in the NHL next year. I think that that's reasonable to think. I think he's good enough in his own end. He keeps his feet moving pretty much all the time. Uh, he plays hard. He, 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 he's not one of these guys who kind of floats around waiting for things to happen. Uh, he, he drives play really, really well. So I think he's going to get a look. Uh, I don't think he's going to stick, but I think he's going to get a look. When he goes to Europe, it depends on where he goes. Um, I think he could perfectly well be a center. And if you're the, the Devils... I mean, the example that jumps out to me, because, I mean, I'm in the area, but Toronto has, you know, Alex Kerfoot is your third center, whatever, but for a while it was Matthews Tavares Kadri, and that's pretty darn good, and if you ask me, having Heashier, Hughes, and Rossi, you know, gives you those three sort of bang, bang, bang guys down the middle, and I think that if you have a really talented center who are, who's good at both ends, like at least Heashier and Rossi are, uh, I think Hughes is a great offensive center for sure, uh, and and in, in a sense he's good defensively considering how good he is at moving pucks up the ice. But those three, th- that that trait is not a bad thing to have at any time on the ice. Guys who can play in the in their own end, who can also score, uh, you know, just great two hundred foot players. And I think that the the Devils have at least two of those down the middle. And with the offense of Jack Hughes, you know, great. I think Hughes should be a center. Um, you can always mix and match though. I think that's the other thing is. Maybe in a game you want to try something out. Um, I'm more of a fan of finding guys that work together and letting them go until it doesn't work. Um, so I guess it's it, it we'll see. I mean, I don't really see Rossi as a winger. I don't really see Hughes as a winger. I don't really see Heeshear as a winger. But I guess if you have to, Rossi can play wing. He's good along the boards too. That's the thing. He's an extremely talented player. So I don't think that's really the issue. Um, personally, I think you roll three centers personally because I think wingers you can sort of fill the team out as they go um I feel like maybe there's more to Nikita Gusev than there was this year 
Uh, the, the, the Devils don't have a ton of young wingers that are really, really high level on the way, but even guys like Mike McLeod might be able to make it work with guys like Heeshier or Hughes down the road. Um, Pavel Zaka, I saw him playing the wing a bit this year. Maybe he's your 4C, but maybe you bump him up a bit. I don't know. But the Devils, I don't think, are done if they get Marco Rossi this year. But it depends on who they're picking in, in, the, in the draft this year for sure. It's going to be interesting to see what they end up with. But if it's Rossi, I would think that it, if, I, if it's me, I think three centers makes sense. Uh, J.M. Sim. Mr. Sim or Ms. Sim. Uh, J.M. is a gender-neutral name, I guess. Hi, Scouch. Hello. Uh, what do you think about the Russian factor? I think there's part of it that's legit and part of it that isn't. Um, the thing that I always say about junior Russian hockey is that it's extremely hard to judge uh, because one, you have to basically filter out half the teams that play, and two, the way that they play is extremely... The way that they play, I've I've said it a bunch of times, but the way that they play is very like, don't worry about it, hockey, right? Like it's sloppy passes are careless um you know guys make the first play that that appears to them most of the time not not the top level guys but a lot of the sort of outsider guys unlikely to be drafted there's a lot of sort of slowing pace down um you know not forechecking super hard um you know defensemen trying breakout passes up the middle of the ice and if it doesn't work then whatever uh there's just not a lot of refinement to a lot of guys it's 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 tough to to, to really understand unless you watch a lot of it and luckily it's free on on youtube so anyone can let me just put my phone on silent there um so i like i i think that the russian factor is it's kind of a hard situation to read but i think that the fear of guys like pod colson for example i never ever thought for a second about the two-year delay with pod colson because most guys in that range of the draft are two years away anyway um so the patience aspect you know is is one thing. I mean, guy, Florida just signed Denisenko. Uh, other guys from that draft, I'd have to look them up. Um, I think that was 2018. NHL draft in 2018. So who else in that area is just about to play their first junior games? Um, or sorry, pro games. Like Noah Dobson, Joel, all of these guys played their first pro seasons this year, and Gregory Denisenko was playing pro in Russia, which compared to the AHL, yeah, depends on who you ask, but it's not a joke. Uh, guys like Ty Smith are coming into the league this year. Um, Vitaly Kravtsov has barely played in North America as of yet. You know, a lot of these guys are are rookies in in pro hockey. Uh, so so for Denisenko, I think a guy like that, you know, you you patience and it pays off. Um, so I think I think the Russian factor, I think only really it depends right like you need to know if a player is planning on coming over but even if they don't i mean drafting a russian in the third round who should go in the top 50 just because other teams are scared that that they won't come over still good value and 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 i think that you can try to at least convince the player that you know give it a shot you know you're you're not if it's from a really major program in 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 russia you're not playing a ton usually uh so maybe something else might be in the works if you come over to north america you can play more uh we've it's what insert city here how here's how great it is you know would you rather be here or in yaroslavl forever and you know part of it i think is also some people just really really like where they come from what whatever no matter what you think you know i think there i think that i've been to russia and i can absolutely see how some people 
especially young people these days, would be really uncomfortable going to Russia or leaving Russia to play hockey when they're 18 or 19 years old. It's it's a very stark cultural difference in a, in a, in a hard to explain kind of way from my experience. And I, that that's just me also being a person from Canada going to Russia. Like if I found out that a team in Russia drafted me and it was expected that at 19 or 18 years old, I'm supposed to go over there and just like fit in and, and have a way of life. I'm going to need help doing that. And that's extra effort, I think, on their part to bring me in. It's not like me going to Michigan or me even going to somewhere like Finland where, you know, the culture and the language, I mean, by that, I mean, Finnish people usually know English, but like the, the, the situation that you're in is is a little bit removed but it's not russia and again it and i'm not trying to say like russia is a bad place i'm just saying it's very different over there and for guys over there to know what they want at 17 or 18 years old and to think that they're right or the nhl teams thinking they know better than the players it's it's you know it's a really delicate relationship i think and that's kind of what factors in as well like it's a very different place so you kind of run the risk of like rushing things rushing them over um you know or you run the risk of them never wanting to leave which happens sometimes but not all the time um so to me to me i think that it helps if you're empathetic with them for me like if i wouldn't be afraid of drafting a russian player and and from the from the get-go being empathetic and 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 trying to build that bridge and make their bring the comfort level to a point where maybe it's not next year or the year after but but when they're a bit older you know they finish their schooling they're finished all that stuff and and whatever it's like you can say look like here's what we can offer you if you want it great we we you know we've built this for years let's see what you can do you know rather than just saying all right see you in a couple of years bye and then in two years being like why won't you sign an elc not that that's what happens, but but that's kind of my interpretation of the of the Russian factor. Um, Crider twenty twenty. What's up with what's up with thoughts on Matthew Robertson and his progression with the Oil Kings? To be perfectly honest, I haven't seen a ton of the Oil Kings. Um, the thing about Matt Robertson was that he always was one of those guys to me that you know I liked his skill, I liked the talent, I liked the overall package, but I was wondering what he would put it in, turn it into, right? I saw some people last year calling him more of a defensive defenseman, some other people calling him more of a skilled offensive defenseman, and when you see mixed opinions like that on a guy, it usually boils down to guys not really knowing what he's going to be. And my interpretation was more about he's a skilled offensive defenseman with nice hands who can play competent defense. And I think he's going to need some time to to develop. He needs to fill out a little bit. Um, But I haven't seen a tremendous amount of him play this year. I've watched Jake Neighbors a little bit. Um, and through that, I've seen Matt Robertson. But again, like this is going to be a patience thing. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Oil Kings kind of took a step back from last year where they were. I could be wrong on that. Um, but but I believe that's the case. And usually when that happens, guys other in other areas kind of stagnate a little bit. So someone like, like Robertson, I don't think is ever going to be a massive point producer. But like a nice pace controlling defenseman with nice skill and, and good patience and just a calm game there could be something there. It's just, I think he's going to be one of these guys who plays another year in junior goes to the AHL, um, and, and plays with Hartford for a year or two years and just kind of builds his game into something where the Rangers can drop him in, you know, and, and rely on him. Cause I think that's kind of what he's going to be, uh, 
but I don't know about like a super high ops upside there. Um, Gravite, Nathan. Hello. I keep saying your name is Nathan and I'm like 99.9% sure, but it'd be funny if it was wrong. Rise of Skywalker equals best movie of all time. No debate. That is a trolling comment, my friend. And if it's not, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Dave Pitt. After Askarov, who do you think the next three best goalies are? Ooh. Well, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Joel Blomqvist, Carpats Jr. team. Uh, Ka- not uh, him. Um, Drew Comezzo is pretty good. I've, I've liked him a lot. Um, there's a Russian guy. I'm trying to remember. I'm going to look at my, I'm look, I'm look, I'm look at my goalies. So I've got Comezzo, Blomqvist, and Dawes. Um, but I haven't updated my goalie ranking in a long time. Um, I like... I've seen the guy that plays for Spartak Prague's junior team play a couple of times, Oldrich Chikon or something. He's pretty good. Uh, no one's really bringing him up, um, but I've liked what he's done in the very, very limited games I, I've seen of him. He's big, saves a ton of pucks, faces 38 a night. Um, you know, I saw him catch a, watching um, the little defenseman they have, um, Marek Blaha. I, I was watching him a while ago, and I noticed their goalie was pretty good. Um, I know a lot of people have asked me about Artur Akhtiyamov, and I've seen him play a few times. You know, again, the MHL is really hard to read. You you have guys that shoot from way out a lot. Uh, he plays in the weaker con- conference in the MHL, which is out in the East. Um, you know, I found him to be a very scrambly goaltender, which usually doesn't lend itself to NHL success when the game is this fast. But stopping pucks is stopping pucks. Uh, who else? There was someone else that was that was Russian that people were mentioning to me uh, that was actually kind of good, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, so I apologize. Uh, but yeah, goalies are strange. But you know, in the second round, I don't think I like after the second round is when I would start to think about goalies, and probably in an ideal world, I would talk to my scouts and whatever, and be like, "Hey, I need." two of you or something to just give me a guy that give me two guys goalies in the draft that you like and I'll try to get one of them at some point just someone who stops pucks who isn't five foot ten and we'll see what happens and someone you really really believe in let's go and 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 maybe one per year or once every other year you take a stab at one this year's a little different because there's Askarov and I'm, I'll go to bat for him but outside of that I mean I don't know what you do outside of, of that first round, but I like Camezzo, I like Blomqvist. Dawes, the numbers don't lie. Um, and he's been pretty good. Uh, but, but you know, guys off the path that you might be able to pick up in the seventh, that also could be an option. And there's also overage goaltenders and Russian goaltenders who never got drafted that you could take a look at. Amir Miftikov uh, is one of them. Uh, who else is on here? Um, I like Georgi Romanov. He's pretty decent. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a few, but nothing that I'm like jumping over the moon to get because goalies are hard to read at this age for sure. Um, Michael Dietrich thoughts on Anton Johannesson. The numbers are crazy good. And I know everyone points that out. I question how good he's going to be once he gets to the next level. Uh, he loves to play the game at his own pace. He can really pass the puck around the ice. He's a good skater, but you know, I, I don't, I I've always come away having trouble with with him and I don't want to write him off because I've had the same thoughts about Emil Andre early in the year but going to the men's league 
with some Swedish defensemen, it seems like when they go to men, the men's leagues, they totally change their game and really show what they're capable of a lot more. Uh, someone like, um, you know, I mean, I just said, Emil Andre does that. Uh, William Wallander was much better with Moto in the men's league from what I saw. Didn't score a ton of points, but but much more defensively responsible and good in his own end. Um, and that showed on, on paper as well. Johannesson is a guy who might be the same, but he's been injured a lot. Um, I bet that because he's small, he'll slip. If he's a guy that's there in the third round, which is entirely possible, then that's something that I easily jump on top of. And I would even think that because of how injured he's been, how he plays the game so far in front of people who are in the arena, and his size, uh, he might drop even further than that. So who knows? Um, but I like him, but I'm not... I'm not putting him where his data suggests him to be, which is, you know, probably first round. I, I don't really see that out of him. Um, but he's a good he's a good player, though, to, to for, for sure. Michael Anderson. Oh, you asked me this last week. Should they ban those aluminum, new aluminum sticks? Shots are fast these days because of them, and we see more injuries from pucks than ever. Also, players break their sticks often on slap shots. Well, one, players were breaking their sticks for years with the composite ones. Um... And I didn't even know they were making aluminum sticks anymore. Like, is that a thing? Uh, aluminum hockey sticks. Like, is that even a thing? I don't even remember them coming out. I They used to be a thing when I was a kid. But anyway, I, I, I have not heard of them using those. But I don't know about banning. I don't know about any of that. Um... They said the exact same thing about composite sticks. So if that's a thing that's coming, then so be it. Uh, personally, I don't see the reason to ban anything. Anytime there's advances in stick technology, there's calls to ban it, and they never do. Um, so I couldn't come up with a decent catchphrase to sign off with, but a lot of good YouTubers have a name for their followers. How about the Scouch Potatoes? Dude, I've been doing that for months. Not Not religiously, because it's, you know... I don't really put that out there a whole lot, but Scouch Potatoes is the exact one that I've been talking about, so great minds think alike. Uh, also, that's Jordan the Pharmacist, so everyone thumbs up for Jordan. Um, Alex Smith, what are your thoughts overall on Justin Barron? Seemed awfully promising last season, less so this year in addition to the blood clot issue. Yeah, so there is potential there, like you said. Um, I've seen him play a couple of times. Last year, Halifax was a much better team. Uh, they had guys like Raphael Lavoie on the team. Um, there was a few others that I can't remember off the top of my head, but but they removed a lot of talent, and Justin Barron was kind of relied upon early, struggled with injuries and the blood clots and all that stuff. And I remember watching him thinking that, you know, he's quick in a straight line, um, but he really reminded me of that, like, Philip Broberg style of, of defenseman where... There's a lot of questions, uh, especially defensively, where I'm kind of curious about about how that works uh, and how that projects I'm not sure um I need to see more of him though before I'm willing to sort of you know like I have him ranked lower than where I think he sh than I think he's going to go but at the same time I mean some people still have him in the first round it's like you're really betting on him capturing his best game which even then I never have been extremely enthralled with um I think he's got good tools uh the the skating is good He's a puck-rushing defenseman who's pretty good at it. I, I really, really like Justin Barron when he's at that sort of peak, but I've only rarely ever seen that. And this year, there's a lot of 
uh, health issues and everything that, that might scare some people off. Um, and from what I have seen this year, he just seems like a step behind uh, where, where he was last year and just seems to have at least stagnated. And again, I need to see more, but but not not a guy that I have extremely highly ranked. I don't even uh, know where. I think, yeah, so I have him late second round. Net negative offense, net negative defense. You know, good offensive involvement, though, so that's not the end of the world. Only played 34 games, but, you know, win some, you lose some. But it's just the data isn't extremely, even when he did play, it's not extremely promising. Um, but if things regress, then maybe someone gets nice value later on. I think he's gone relatively early because someone will just take the chance. But I've just seen more out of other guys, especially overseas, where I'm thinking that there's more available instead of someone like Baron that early. Mathis Desjardins, do you think that do you think the fact that 77% of NHL players come from North America makes NHL teams reluctant to send scouts to Europe, and that makes good European prospects slide to the later rounds? I think NHL teams still kind of see it as a novelty over there. Like, I think they still also see it as almost like a completely different game. And in some respects, that's kind of true. Like, the game over there is is way kind of more perimeter-based, way different. And I think they naturally might think that guys won't translate to North American hockey um, because from what I've seen of North American junior hockey, there's a lot more hitting, there's less ice to escape, uh, escape pressure, there's a lot more... Um, you know, there's a lot more shenaniganery, I would call it. Uh, you know, guys trying to get under your skin. I don't really see that so much in Europe. And I think they go, well, what happens when you do that to a European player? And it's like, well, I think European players to me, they just want to play the game. And I don't think they see the the gooning it up part or the, the get under your skin part as part of the game. Um, you know, someone like Elias Pettersson, like what are you going to do to Elias Pettersson to throw him off his game? I, maybe that happens once in a while, but he's no different than anyone else. You know, I, I, the thing, the thing that really surprises me is, you know, it's not like Canada and the U S are like light years ahead of the rest of the world in in men's hockey. It's not the case, you know, that that's not true. So why ignore the other countries that are arguably just as good, you know, when they put together a team of their best, they're arguably just as good. So why would that, you know, like I'm of the belief that there's a lot of players who could be in the NHL not playing in the NHL um, for for various reasons. And some of it might be, well, you know, I was never drafted. No one's really paying attention to me. I'm five foot nine. You know, I I grew up in some town in Sweden. I played in the Allsvenskan. Now I'm in the SHL and I'm 24. And unless I completely shoot the lights out like Matt Zuccarello, uh, I'm not getting my ticket to the NHL. Do I think that's right? No, but I'm I'm sure that it's happened. Um, you know, and and, and it's it, you, I think worse players than some European players get a longer look in the NHL than than the European players probably would even if they did come over. So I think teams more see it as like a almost like a novelty, and it's like if there's someone that we absolutely have to have, then we'll do it. Um, I, from what I've seen, most teams only have like a Russian scout and a Finnish scout and a whatever scout, um, which is not the way that I would probably do it, especially if you have access to video and data analysis and all of this stuff. Like it's not rocket science. I'm doing a pretty decent job from Canada. So, and the people who are willing to do that are out there. They exist. Um, so hopefully that changes over time. It's not an expensive investment. And if you land one player, who's valuable in the sixth round from God knows where, uh, 
and you can sign that player. They play in the NHL on an ELC, slide under the radar, can help you win a few games here and there. You don't have to spend the money in free agency on a player who will fill that hole. But in, and instead of drafting, say, a third line OHL guy and go, maybe in three years this guy's going to be good, you can look at a good European player and say, well, maybe in three years they don't really improve a tremendous amount, but they're really good. So let's take take a look and see what happens. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm simplifying it too much, but that that's kind of my read. Uh, Patrick Doyon, Doyon, Do Doyon, Doyon. I'm sorry, I don't bad with reading names off the page hi will keep up your great work thank you i'm curious what you know you're okay i'm curious to know what your thoughts on ivan's i'm curious to know your what are your thoughts on ivan didkovsky and dmitry zolodiev well i've definitely seen a lot more of zolodiev um you know and he's fine uh good metrics all around um the team was he played on was really good i i i don't know if he's much of, enough of a needle mover for me. He had a good World Junior A. He's been good with Dynamo Moscow. He, he's a good player, uh, but not a guy I have ranked. Um, I was flirting with him on my watch list a little bit over the course of the year. You know, he's a net positive catalyst. His involvement when goals are scored on the ice is pretty good. Um, you know, has lots and lots of even strength involvement. So that's all good, and I think he'll probably get picked. Uh, it'll just depend on on when and where. And, and to whom so i like him but i'm not sure he's a guy that i'm really jumping at the chance to get out of the mhl but but he's a decent player uh didkovsky i'm gonna pull up his data but i don't know um so they play on the same team his two-way numbers are better um yeah, yeah his offensive numbers are better as well so i'm not totally sure uh i i've definitely noticed Zolodiev more Didkovsky I need to see more of because all of his data seems to point to him being being the more talented player um but again he also has this scoring way more goals than he has assists thing that sometimes raises a bit of a red flag to me uh but I, I he, he, he the Dynamo Moscow team is one that I do need to see more of um most of the games that I tracked by coincidence weren't Dynamo Moscow games um so maybe that's one that I dig into a little bit more before the draft but yeah the only one i've seen most of is zolodiev and and he's pretty solid but if didkovsky is zolodiev but improved then maybe that's a player i need to take more of a look at uh hey will again cut out before you got my question on the last stream is there anything in victor mancini yeah so if you missed uh last week's stream or cut out whatever the last seven minutes i just recorded unlisted uh once i got it up and running again and it's patched into the uh, podcast version so if you want you can go back and listen to that but i'll answer that question again um i love well not love but i really like victor mancini so i was kind of him and hawing on him i was hemming and hawing on hemming and hawing on him a bit you know watching him more i've tracked a few games of his data on him looks pretty darn good uh but there are some things he's a guy that you might be able to get in the late rounds of the draft uh, but I've liked him. And then I read an interview with him where they basically dove into the reasons why he went to where he went, you know, instead of going to say the USHL or something or going to prep hockey or whatever. And I just can't, like, we were just talking about the Russian thing. I, I can't imagine the, 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 the line of thought from, from him to want to go to Sweden to play for this 
you know, it's such a groundbreaking kind of thing. Like, the only one I can think of is Austin Matthews, who really did it. Jeremy McKenna played for the Red Bull team for one year when he was, I think, 16. Um, and I've always liked Jeremy McKenna, but we're talking about Victor Mancini. And he, at 17, went to Gothenburg, and he's playing on a really good team. Uh, and he's just, it seemed like he was just chasing what was the best scenario for him, not the most comfortable and I find that really admirable. I, 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 It's rare that I read interviews with hockey players and I come away thinking, huh, I really want to get to know this person better. And Victor Mancini really strikes me as the kind of person who isn't just a good story that you should just draft because he's a good story. He's a good player. He's a pretty good defenseman. He's playing top pair minutes for a really good team in, in the Swedish Junior League. And the data that I have on him is actually pretty good. Um, so he might be one of these guys that in the sixth or seventh round, if he's still there, might just be a good swing. Uh, just take a chance on the guy. Um, you know, he, he's, he's an even strength producer, even though his numbers don't really show it. Uh, he, he produces pretty decently well at even strength and he's playing top pair minutes. Uh, you know, and he plays on the penalty kill. He, I believe plays on the power play a little bit there, but I, I like him. He's a big right hand shot guy. And I bet he gets drafted higher than people might think. Um, but he's a guy that I also just kind of want to get to know, right? Like I, I find the story fascinating and I'm really curious about more detail about what's going on there. Um, and in the past, he's been a great two-way play driver as well. So I have high hopes for him. Um, but I don't have him ranked extremely high, but that could easily change the more I track. He's not perfect. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that probably needs work, especially in his own end. But, uh, in, in other areas of the ice, he's been pretty good. Uh, Glamorous Glue, who do you have around the 32nd pick? Let me take a look. Because my rankings have changed recently a little bit. Uh, around the 32nd pick. So we'll go plus and minus two. So, uh, I've got, uh, what is this, 30. I have Zion Nybeck, Emil Andre, Hendrix Lapierre, and Jean-Luc Foudy, uh, in and around that area. And Robbie Yarventy. So those are the five guys in and around that range. Um... You know, I, I, I really, really like Jean-Luc Foudy, but he could easily turn out to be absolutely nothing. Um, but but I really, really like Jean-Luc Foudy, and I think people are still kind of sleeping on him. And that's coming from a guy who's the data guy, and Jean-Luc Foudy's data is not great. Uh, Hendrix Lapierre is in there just because of the potential upside. I, I think he could still be a really good player if the health stuff is sorted out. Um, you know, you could convince me to take him with one of these 28, 29, 30, 31 picks if guys I really like are gone. Um, but in the second round, I think a team's going to just take a chance on him. I think a team takes a chance on him in the first round. Cause I think all things being considered based on what I've seen him do in the past, top 15 talent is a pretty easy call to me. So if you can get a top 15 guy who has some health concerns in the late first round and it works out, you look like a genius. But the thing I've said a bunch of times is just be sure, do your, do your research, get your best medical opinion you can and, and really think hard think hard and long um but he's a really good player uh and in that range and Emil Andre and Zion Nybeck are two really good players for HV71 Zion Nybeck people are kind of knocking him a bit I don't really see why I, I think he's a great offensive player tons and tons of offensive potential yeah his skating might not be like perfect I think it's underrated uh he's not the fastest guy but he's certainly uh skilled and elusive and if he can get a bit stronger and get a bit faster then I think there could be something really, really special there. He's a really dynamic offensive player, and I really like him. Uh, and Emil Andre, 
I saw him in the SHL, and if it's SHL Andre, I'm really down. Da- I'm down. I'm ready to go. But if it's uh, Andre in the Junior League, I'm not as sold. So that's kind of why he's further back than I think some people have him. Um, I'm willing to bet on him. But again, the game I always play is who do I take him in front of? And I go down my list, and I have a hard time taking Nybeck and Andre and Lapierre and Foodie ahead of guys like Sanderson, Perot, Hervinen, uh, Wallander, Poshin even. Um, you know, maybe that might bite me in the bottom later, but I just really, those are guys that I just really, really have liked. Um, thoughts on Dawson Mercer and his ceiling. I like Dawson Mercer. I think it's like a top six scoring winger. You know, you just throw him out there and go score points. I think he could do it. I think he is a bit of a floater. I don't really see him as a defense as a defensively competent center long-term. Uh, he's got a lot of, a long way to go in that regard, I think. Um, but you know what? As an offensive sort of really, really good skill, he's probably one of the most purely skilled players offensively uh, in his range of the draft, like outside the top 10, I would say. He's probably one of the most offensively skilled guys. Uh I think there are some yellow flags you can raise about his point production. Uh, you know, Shakutami, his time there was fine. I, I like Dawson Mercer. I think that there's the potential that he becomes... He, he doesn't quite hit his potential because, you know, he's, he kind of can disappear a little bit. He's kind of, you know, that hangout at the blue line, neutral zone type offense chasing guy. But there's really nice skill. Uh, really good determination in the offensive zone. He just kind of does things when, at the end of the day, you see, oh, he's just he's just trying to find the right angle to just put the puck in the net, rather than you know just shooting it and hoping for the best or passing it to a teammate and hoping for the best. He does things with a lot of like, this is what's this is what I want to happen, and find ways to put the puck in the net. So I, I like that about him. Uh, I've tracked a little bit of him. He's been good, not phenomenal, but but I I think that as a just a offensively skilled guy who you can put out there to score points he's not a bad option um taboo slayer what's the lowest pick number when you have to draft askarov even if you don't need a goalie i would say because now we're getting into the talk of like okay who if it's a 10 and the nine guys in front of me are gone so laugh byfield rossi raymond stutzla uh drysdale lundell perfetti holtz all gone and it's 10th overall I don't know. You who do you convince me to take over Yaroslav Askarov at 10? Gundler maybe. I could I could, if I had a bunch of goaltending, let's assume that I had a bunch of goaltending in my system. Let's say who's a team with goaltending? I mean, assuming this is the Devils because they have the 10th overall pick unless Arizona wins or it'll be in this range, 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in that range. They they have Mackenzie Blackwood. They have Mackenzie Blackwood and three first-round picks, probably. I think. I mean, maybe Askarov is a New Jersey Devil. Maybe. Uh, I know there are people who would not like that, but maybe. But do you convince me to say, okay, Jack Hughes and Noel Gundler with Marco Rossi, is that something you want? I'd probably say yes. Uh, You know, Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Marco Rossi, Rodion Amirov. Not bad. Those three same those same players and Jan Mishak, that's when you kind of might get into I might push back and maybe just say take the goalie. So I'd say like thirteen is like when I'd start going, no no no, let's just take the goalie uh and, and call it a day. Because I think everyone below it, there's a bit of you know, a bit of not the same upside, I guess I would say. That's kind of where I'm at with with that. 
Um, Mathis Desjardins. Have you seen Hockey Prospects stat sheet comparing the production of players against top half and bottom half? I have. I did kind of the same thing on my own time a little while ago. Marco Rossi had the biggest difference at minus 1.48. He scored at, at 2.75 points per game with bottom half teams and 1.27 versus top half teams. Yeah, that is true. He's scoring a lot against lower half teams. Uh, the thing about Marco Rossi is that it isn't just scoring points with him that is why he's so high in in my ranking. Um, I track games exclusively against high-level teams. So I think one of the seven games I throw in a lower-level team, like a non-playoff team or uh, a fringe team there. Uh, and sometimes the games that I track early in the year, those teams that I track against are good then and then slow down. But Marco Rossi, against really good teams, controls so far after four games, 74% of the high danger chances, uh, two-thirds of his shot attempts are from medium danger or high danger, a third of them are from high danger, uh, completes 78% of his passes, which is pretty good, uh, considering how much he passes the puck, which is... Uh, oh, let me get rid of all this. Where is he? Rossi. Uh, you're looking at a guy who is making 79 pass attempts per 60 minutes at even strength, uh, 12, almost 12 dangerous pass attempts per 60 minutes, and all of those things add up pretty darn good. 4.18 even strength goals per 60. Uh, getting scored on a little bit for sure, but you're getting a guy who's, you know... Like, when he's on the ice, Ottawa has 19 high-danger shot attempts per 60 minutes. The next highest on my entire list, Lafreniere is 23 um, so far, and that's subject to change. Pavel Tutniev is a 16, Jamie Drysdale 16, so that's kind of what you're dealing with. Um, there was also something that I, that came up as well. Uh, Marco Ross, with, with, that, with that specific math, a lot of it also, I'm trying to remember as I speak, but I can't, um, you know, on the other hand, right? Like on the other side of that, I think was like Brendan Brisson and the games that I've tracked of Brendan Brisson, I have not seen the results that, that, that would lead me to believe that that's, you know, like if that's true, if that was a really big issue, uh, then a guy like Brendan Brisson should be ranked way, way higher because he does better against good teams than bad teams. Um, you know, the, 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 I don't know. It's it's. I still believe that that someone like Marco Rossi, especially considering the situation that he's in, is probably the third or fourth best option in this year's draft based on what I've tracked, uh, and and just in general, you know, the the data on this guy. Like over a bigger sample of, uh, I, how many games did he play this year? So he's played fifty six games. So we're looking at 56 games of Marco Rossi, uh, 4.8 even strength goals per 60, which is absurd. That beats um, that beats Lafreniere by where's Lafreniere here? I guess I could just pull him up. So Byfield is at 4.2, and uh, Lafreniere is at 4.1. So you have a guy who's almost 25%, I'd say 20% higher than than Lafreniere in terms of output of goals is a better defensive as well. And this might be part of his line mates, but he's the center on the line and his defensemen are like Noel Hoffenmeyer and I'm trying to remember the other one. The guy's good. And yeah, he might score a lot against 
poor teams, but like, yeah, you hope he does. Um, and 1.27 points per game across a 68 game pace is 1.27 times 68. That's an 86 point pace. Not perfect, but the guy who went third overall last year had an 86 point pace across the whole season. So, you know, like, sure, it's something to note and it's something to be aware of. But I also think that that there's a tremendous amount of talent with this guy. And, you know, torching bad teams that bad in the OHL is still a pretty good thing, I would say. Uh, Alexander Payi. Thoughts on Alex Nikishin and Maxim Groshev? I need to finish tracking on these guys. I like Groshev quite a bit. I, I think that he's kind of underrated, kind of flying under the radar. Uh, people are really focused on some other Russians, but... You know, he's a good aggressive power forward, and I think he's another one of these guys where if you just get what you think you're getting, um, you know, just a just a big, strong dude who has it out there on the ice all the time, trying to free pucks up, I think he projects to the North American game pretty well. Um, you know, and if he's available in that Dorofiev range, where Dorofiev went, where everyone thought that it was a steal, that might be a guy where you legitimately might get yourself a player. Um I don't know if there's a tremendous amount of upside with Groshev. I think there's a lot of work to, to go into make him, making him a more dynamic player, but it's like an energy winger down the road. Let him develop in, in Russia a little bit and just you bring him into the NHL as a guy who just goes out there and makes space for teammates. You could you could sell me on this. I have him in the third round, and, and I could see him going in that range, maybe even earlier. Uh, and Nikishin, I, I actually kind of dig him. I think he probably should be in... The, the MHL for the season, but he didn't look horrible in the KHL. There were periods where he wasn't looking fantastic, um, a little bit overwhelmed, you know, dumps the puck quite a bit, and uh, I'm just pulling up his data here. Uh, I've done four games, so keep that in mind as well. Um, I really need to build a better system to fetch this data quicker. Um, but yeah, defensively, he's suppressing... He, so defensively, when pucks are coming his way, 38% of them are done with control, which is very good for a defenseman. Um, he's not slow. I mean, he's not the fastest guy ever, but he went blue line to blue line in 1.9 seconds, which, not super quick, but but decent. Um and you're not going to get very many defensemen going blue line to blue line a ton anyway. 78% pass completion rate in the KHL, which is not terrible. Um, his team's getting kind of filled in when he's on the ice, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, he's doing things decently well. And and I think that, I, I think that it, you know, I'm not sure what his upside is. I don't, I don't know, but I think that he's got decent hands for a defenseman. You know, he's an okay skater. I, I like him. I, I just don't know where I would pick him. I think there's a lot of other guys that I would take ahead of him. But, you know, if he slips, which I don't really see happening, then then maybe. But I, I, he's a hard one because he puts up some decent data in the KHL. He, he might look overwhelmed at times, but the results are still pretty decent. Uh, but I still watch him and I go, I'm not sure where he's going from here. Um, whereas with Groshev, I think there, there's a good case for a, at least a, a decent bottom six energy guy maybe one day. Um, you know, just a sort of no BS power forward type guy. Sam Kohler. Hello, Samuel. Excuse me, must rehydrate. Is there anything to Timo Nickel? I've never been a big fan. Uh, I know some people are. Every time I've seen him play, it's kind of... I don't like his decision making. Uh, he didn't blow my mind in his under in his World Junior tournament. 
Um, you know, he's scoring a lot on the power play. His even strength numbers are okay, I would say, like good for a defenseman, but not phenomenal. Um, I just, I don't see anything that I really can get behind with him. The top prospects game, he was a guy that I noted was maybe not one of the strongest players there. Uh, I, I'm just not sold. I don't have him ranked. Um, you know, and I was, I, I usually, when I look for value, I look for players, especially someone like from Austria, you know, you go to the juniors and, and destroy that tournament. Um, so I don't know. It's, I don't know it. He's one where I, I have a hard time reading him and I don't, I don't think I would draft him, but I know he has his fans out there for sure. I, I just haven't seen it. Um, Marco L what are the knocks on Simone Tavall? Oh, you know, um, similar stuff for a lot of, of players like him. Uh, he got better as the year went on. I still need to finish my tracking on him. I'm close to being done. And what I'm looking at, you know, when it comes to pushing offense, he's actually pretty good at it. I mean, that would be assumed since he's a good scoring player. A lot of power point, not a lot of power play production. Um, you know, when goals are scored at even strength, his numbers are also pretty bonkers. So that's good. Those are all good things. Um, the problem to me is defensively. It's always been the problem with him. Now you can kind of get away with being a winger and not putting in as much defensively, but you know, as a winger in transition, if pucks are coming along up along the boards, you have to at least try to, to keep up and and manage those gaps and, and try to get the puck off the, off the opposing player, because it's just not for him. It's not often there. Uh, 66% of his, of his transitions against him are done with control, which is not really great. Uh, that's among the higher numbers in the in the guys where I have big samples. That's a really high number. That's up. That's higher than a guy like Jacob Perot. Uh, higher than Jean. Oh, it's about the same as Jean Luc Foudy. Brendan Brisson is another one who's up near that number. Um, and yeah, so he he's completing sixty five percent of his passes too, which for a junior league is not enough. But I still need to watch more from later in the year where I have seen him be much better. Um, but drives offensive numbers pretty well. And 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 I, I think he's a good player. Lots and lots of potential. But I think there's lots of potential for him to fizzle out and, and maybe struggle to develop. Um, and his team, Tapera, is not very well known for being extremely uh, willing to use their young players a tremendous amount unless they're forced to. Uh, Mathis Desjardins. In MMA, they say certain styles make fighting... Man, my chat's jumping around. Um, where are we here? Oh my goodness, there's a lot of questions. All right. In MMA, they say styles make fights. Certain styles can win or lose depending on the opponent. Okay, I see what you're saying. In hockey, players have different styles too. Is there a style you value more or you value less? You've said before you're skeptical about prospects who score more than they assist, but natural goal scorers are definitely a thing that exists and the teams need. Does that mean a player who assists just as much as he scores would be valued more than a great goal scorer because of his style? I see what you're saying. Um, the reason I'm scared of guys who just score goals is because it implies that they need to be in a position to just score goals to be successful as players. You know, it implies to me that moving pucks around the ice is not their, is not a focus of their game. Um, you know, it, it means that, yeah, maybe you have a laser beam from the point, uh, but it's very, it's very hard. And I think pretty rare to see NHL players, for example, scoring a lot more goals than they assist. Obviously, Alex Ovechkin is an, is an exception. Guys like Peter Bondra have existed. Uh, Pavel Bure have existed before. Um, th- those players exist. 
but they're rare. And you know, guys like Christian Thomas, I remember was was one of them, was one of those guys. Jake Vertanen was another one of those guys. Um, you know, guys who might just work really really hard to get to dangerous areas and slap pucks in the net. That's fine. That's that's great. But to me, if I'm especially high up in the draft, that's kind of also where I get skeptical is really high in the draft. That's when I sort of want really well-rounded players that I can mold into sort of core pieces. That's the point. And and I don't think you can – it's a lot harder from my experience to do that with just pure goal scorers. You need them, sure. They need to exist on your team. Um, but it's it's hard to, to draft and develop those guys if you draft them really, really high. Um unless they're like extraordinary at it. Like I have Alexander Holtz ranked top 10 because of what he does in terms of goal scoring. Um, but you know, someone like a Jack Quinn, I have ranked a bit further back. Uh, so, and what you mentioned about players who assists just as much as they score, it's about, I think it's about how they generate all of these things, right? So Assists are twice as common as goals, so usually, right? So if there's a goal, there can be two assists. So ideally, you should see players get more assists than they get goals if they're really well-rounded offensive players. Um, So if you're seeing a player that has a lot more goals than assists, when assists are much more common in hockey, then you have something where there's a clue, right? You need to look into why that might be. Um, For Jack Quinn, for example, he's not playing on their top unit in Ottawa, so a lot of that might just be away from him his line is like okay and then he's the one putting the puck in the net which is cool um but again it's just again jack quinn is a guy i need to track more of but i'm still a bit skeptical uh first round pick sure but but the people you know top 15 top 10 better than marco rossi that that's questionable to me um so natural goal scorers are a thing that you need but if you're looking at junior aged players a lot of junior age players who turn into NHL goal scorers usually, from my experience, score quite a bit in junior in terms of all kinds of points. We're going to look at this really quick and then move on because there's a ton of questions. So I'm going to go quick. Um, NHL. I just want to look at leading scorers and like just quick backgrounds of where they came from uh, in terms of points versus total or goals versus total points. So the top goal scorers in the league, David Pasternak, Alex Ovechkin, Austin Matthews, Leon Dreisaitl, Mika Zibanejad. We'll go 40 goals and over so far this year, and that's it. So Pasternak, when he was draft eligible, 8 goals, 16 assists. 3 goals, 7 assists, and under 18 competition with the Czech Republic. 5 assists at the World Juniors. So not a guy who's absolutely exploding the net, and that's not the only thing he's doing. In the under 18 level, sure, he was doing a lot of that. Uh, but in Sweden, there was more to the picture. Uh, Ovechkin, 2003-2004, 13 goals, 11 assists, roughly equal, and he was playing in a men's league in Russia, so there's that. But it wasn't as insane as a guy like Jack Quinn or whatever. Um, but there's assists there as well. The following year, it was 50-50. And then even then, 50-50, 50-50, uh, and then it kind of gets a little out of control for a bit there. Anyway, uh, Austin Matthews, 2016, 15-16, 24-22, roughly 50-50. It's a bit higher, but it's not a massive difference. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, 13-14, not even close. 38 goals, 67 assists. Um, like a lot of guys who score a lot of goals in the NHL, well-rounded offensive players in their youth. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, Mika Zibanejad might have been that guy. 12 goals, 9 assists. But in his career so far, he has not been that player 
every single year. Once in a while, he'll be a I'll score a lot more than I assist type player. Um, and this year, he just kind of went haywire. So, yeah, it's a mixed bag, I would say, but but it is something that 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 raises a, a red flag because goal scorers, you know, a lot of goal scorers in the NHL don't just shoot it from the faceoff dot. They're using their skill to get into higher danger areas. They're they're really crashing that net. Um, they 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 also can also set up players on the other side of the net for those Royal Road passes that are easy goals. Um, so you need to have, I think, a varied skill set in order to be really successful in the NHL, rather than just be a guy who can wheel around the outside of the offensive zone, stop up in the faceoff dot in stride or in stride, and shoot the puck top shelf. That can happen, but it's not extremely. Um, is not extremely common. Uh, Michael Anderson should hits count more? Should hits count towards score in some way? I uh, no, uh, no hits should not count towards scoring. That's not what hockey is. Um, the, do you think the game is soft these days? No, the game is better than it's ever been. Mathis Desjardins, what's the hardest? What's the highest slot you'd be ready to draft? Perard, Colangelo, and Evangelista. Uh, well, um, definitely, let me pull them up here. Nope, nope, nope. Berard. So Berard, Colangelo, and Evangelista. So Berard, I would say right around where I have him ranked. Middle second to late second, I'd probably look at him. Colangelo, same thing. Evangelista, easy third round, I would say. Third, fourth round in that range, that's when I'd start thinking about it. Um, you know, I like Sam Colangelo and Brett Berard, but there's just a lot of guys that I like more. Brett Berard, I think, I like the most. Um, Evangelista, I think, has tons of skill and offensive ability, but his defensive ability, or at least defensive results, were some of the worst in the in the, in the the draft. So, you know, good even-strength offensive player, but that, you know, that to me devalues him when you look at his defensive numbers. Uh, Berard and Colangelo, though, I would say second round. Evangelista, probably third round in, in that area. Um, okay, Michael Anderson. How would you get the league going again? I think they should go to a camp where they all hide for two weeks and don't play. Uh, so, I don't know. I think that if it's... You, it's a hard argument because you can't... The, I don't know. I don't know... It, it's it's interesting because I wonder if teams are so financially destitute, not all teams, but some teams, that they literally need there to be playoffs at least, or at least some hockey where they can get TV revenue, where they can advertise in those games, where they can at least get something. Because it costs a lot of money to run a, a, a hockey team, especially if that team owns the arena or whatever. It's not cheap, and when no one's paying any bills it's not easy to run. Um, so I, I, I'm very wary. It really is starting to feel like the trigger finger to get people working again is overpowering the, the logical willingness for everyone to wait until this is really under control. And I know that you can play with no fans and you can quarantine people blah 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 but the problem with this whole thing is that it's extremely contagious it can live on surfaces and you don't know you have it for up to two weeks i'd say around a week i think it's five to seven days usually can be up to two weeks and once one person gets sick that's that's when things get shut down again and you don't want that 
you, the last thing you want is to start telling people to go back to work, start telling people to do this, telling people to do this. And, you know, just to make the economy look better, whatever that means, you end up in a situation where you might prolong this even further. Like for all we know, we might be done if we stay inside for another month. This thing might be relatively under control where, you know, every every known case in major international cities like Toronto and New York and whatever are either recovered or unfortunately they've passed away or they've isolated it and tracked it to, to where it's come from or in the best way they can. Maybe that lasts another month. I would much rather just say, okay, we last the month, Maybe the government bails out the NHL teams that need the help and then start up next season. I don't know. But but I just really am hesitant. It really feels like in the last week or two, those those that those that are in power in some places have gotten a really itchy trigger finger to get going again. And professional sports seems to be the first one where they're going, ah, this one will work if we only do it this specific way. And I that really sounds like something where they aren't even confident and they're just doing it because something they want some semblance of positivity going on whereas in my mind the last thing i want is to hear about you know someone getting sick who drives the zamboni or uh you know when when they come home you know the zamboni driver's wife is a nurse and the nurse comes home with it gives it to the zamboni driver and next thing you know you're done you you have to shut down in a week i don't think we're at the point where we can confidently do that yet if it's up to me and I'm king of the world, I think that considering the U.S. government is printing $2 trillion to hand out to whomever, I think that there's the willingness to at least keep NHL teams alive uh, if things don't go so right, if they do end up canceling the year and starting up next season, which is what I think they should just do anyway. Um, that's just my vote. Uh, Math is Dan. Any 2021 eligibles that have caught your eye? Uh, I'd say Dylan Gunther for sure. Brant Clark, um, Atu Ratu as well. Uh, yeah, Atu, Atu or Aku, whichever the younger, bro- the one going, going first overall next year, everyone, or at least might be going first overall. Um, but definitely Dylan Gunther is one. Uh, oh, uh, Scott Morrow from Shattuck is another one. Check them, check them out if you have hockey TV. Shattuck, Shattuck is good, uh, and he's a very, very good part of it. Um, but those are the ones that jump to mind early. Uh, what do you project Ty Tulio as? Maybe like a nice skilled guy to put in your middle six. I'm not super thrilled about his extreme upside, but he works hard. He has good skill, uh, decent metrics at both ends of the ice. I, I don't mind him. Um, I know he has some much bigger fans than me, uh, but yeah, he's a good player. Um, so I don't know. I have him in my second round. Oh no, early third. Easily could be pushed up into the second round. I think he's in a tier that goes up to the second round. Uh, yeah, so he's in a tier that goes up into the late second round. I could easily push him higher into my second round if you really push for him. I haven't tracked any games of his, but I have seen him play. Good skill on him, good determination, good offensive playmaker. Uh, and and I think that, you know, he's an all-around solid player. But there's, again, a lot of guys that I just have seen a lot more of that I like more so far. But there's nothing bad that i can say about the the profile that tulio has in front of him um so yeah where would atu ratu go if he was eligible for 2020 that's a good question uh well so you've got anton lundell there i would think that ratu probably 
is in the same sort of top 10 range. I would think he's like in the six to nine range uh, of this year's draft. I think that, you know, maybe five ish uh, and, and you're there. He's a really talented player. I mean, I see him more on the, you know, Stutzla level, I would say, maybe Stutzla Raymond sort of level. Uh, really talented player. Really unfortunate he didn't get an under 18 under his belt. Um, I don't think he's like an unbelievable first pick overall lock, um, but he's a very talented player, you know, and I don't think he's quite on the same level as a Byfield or a Lafreniere, but he's not super far behind that, I, I would say. Um, but he, he, so he's in that range. And I would say in the like five to nine range in that area. Um, but maybe I just am totally missing the mark on him. I don't pay too much attention to guys before they're eligible, but I have seen him play a few times and he is extremely impressive. Um, just maybe not this, this year's draft at the top end looks pretty nuts. Uh, Tyler Stevens. Hello. If Connor McMichael and his D plus one was able to be drafted this year, where would you be slotting him into this year's group? Um, probably in the teens somewhere. I like Connor McMichael a lot. I always found his game really projectable. Uh, and I'm not surprised he kind of hit the ground running with London this year. He's a good player, good offensive tools for sure. Um, you know, I maybe in like an eight to 15 range, I would put him this year. He's a good player. Uh, probably closer to the 15-ish range, but but it's hard to say, I would say. Uh, Tony Ferrari. Oh, you showed up. He he didn't say he would, and he's here. Uh, how's your evening? Pretty good now that I'm here. Uh, I'd love to hear your take on Tyson Forster. I see the shot, but I don't think I've seen what everyone else is saying. Yeah, you're not, you're not crazy. I don't see him as a mid-first rounder whatsoever. Um, I see him as a second-round guy if you want a trigger man who's good on the power play. That's kind of what he is. That That's fine with me. Um, that's what he projects as to me. There are other guys that I've said, if that's what they turn out to, that's not so bad. But with Tyson Forster, I do not see the even strength ability that, 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 that puts him in the first round personally. Um, kind of floaty, uh, good shot on him. Really, really good shot on him, but, but just kind of a floater, you know, waits around for his offense and doesn't really have the sort of skill and finishing ability and tight that someone like a Dawson Mercer has, which might be why I have Mercer quite a bit higher than Forster. Um, Mathis Desjardins, do you think Tim Stutzla is slightly overvalued due to his production in a men's league, despite the fact that the DEL compares more to the Al Svenskin? Um, I think people putting him at number two are overvaluing him. People putting him at number three, I think, are also kind of overvaluing him. But four, five, I would say anywhere lower than six. And I kind of would say, eh, maybe take another look. I think he's really good. Um, you know, the Allsvenskin is not a joke. Uh, the DEL is not a joke. You know, he's playing really well in that league. Uh, and at both ends of the ice, he's playing really well. So I like Tim Stutzla a lot. Um, I have him lower than Raymond. I have him lower than Rossi. But I don't see I, I don't see myself putting him any lower than five. I, I really don't see that. Um... So yeah, I would say anyone putting him above like Byfield and, and even putting him at three might be putting him a little bit high. But you really could make the argument to me of Rossi, Raymond, Stutzla in really any order. But I am pretty sure that for me, Rossi, Raymond, Stutzla is the order that I would put them in. Uh, Michael Anderson. Hello. Uh, who should the Canucks draft this year? Depends on who's available and where they're picking. Uh, and they might not even have a first round pick this year, right? Uh, I'd like a defenseman who's at least six foot three, two hundred pounds. Oh, you're looking for one of those. 
Uh, are the mock drafts right in how small these players are? Uh, 5'8 to 5'10, they aren't built for the NHL. Go look at the top scorers in the league, my friend. They are not all... They are, there are some small players in this league that are quite successful. Um, and 6'3", 200-pound defensemen are not always the best option anymore. Uh, you got to have defensemen who can move around the ice, and it's really hard for 6'3 guys to move around the ice like a 5'9 player can. Um, and 5'9 players get the benefit of a lower center of gravity, which is something that a lot of people seem to forget about, like basic physics. Um, you have players who are small, uh, but the players that are small can get lower to the ice, uh, and transmitting kinetic energy is far more reliant on velocity than mass. So just because a person is bigger does not mean that they are going to be as big of a threat as someone who is faster. And, uh, but if you're looking for a six foot something defenseman, I mean, William Wallander might be an option. He can actually skate. Uh, he's a good big defenseman, uh, not 200 pounds, but finding six foot three, 200 pound, uh, 17 year olds is really hard. And, Focusing on finding a six foot three, two hundred pound player, um, focusing on six foot three, two hundred pounds, pound seventeen year olds is what got teams into trouble. Looking at guys like Griffin Reinhardt, because they go look at how physically developed this guy is. He's only seventeen years old. Imagine what he'll be like when he's twenty one. And then you're like, yeah, but the hockey man, like the, the hockey, um, it seems like things have kind of gone away from that. Like Jake Sanderson's a big guy, but he's not huge. Um, and that's the kind of thing, right? Like the, the defensemen that are in this year's draft that are really good defensively, they're not extremely physical. Caden Gooley is the one where I'm thinking there's a physical player here, but Caden, but, but Caden Gooley is like an, a good defenseman. But if he's gone top 15, I'm looking at guys like Jake Sanderson, who will also probably be gone top 15, but even William Wallander, they focus a lot more on using their height to their advantage with their stick, you know, break up play, cause, cause, cause havoc. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I come from with, with defensemen. But if you really want a giant, I mean, Tyler Clevin, Brock Faber, those guys are big, they're heavy, uh, they play heavy. Not my type, though. Not not my type. I'd rather the guys that can chip a puck right by him and... Uh, Andrew Wolf, Mr. Scouching. Hello. Uh, Off-topic question, no worries if you skip. From prior years, did you follow Axel Anderson? I have seen Axel Anderson play a little bit. He's a good defenseman. I I don't know if he's ever going to play in the NHL, but I liked him when, when the Bruins drafted him. He, they drafted him a little high, I think, from my liking. But I was he's a good skating guy, good shot from the point. Um, overall, pretty solid. I wouldn't say there's tremendous upside there, but I like him. I, I think he's fine. Um... I'm sorry, but I can't really say too much because the year he was draft eligible, I wasn't doing a tremendous amount of video work. But I have seen him play with Moncton this year a little bit, and he is pretty good. Um, but that's kind of what you expect considering he's, I think, in his last year of eligibility uh, for, for Major Junior, likely, unless he comes back again, which I don't think, I think he's going to be going into Providence next year. Mathis Desjardins, you're active tonight, my friend. Uh, who are some overagers in the MHL worth drafting? I would say someone's going to take a swing on Gordon. Um, I would definitely look at Suchkov, like you mentioned. I have them here, uh, MHL. MHL. Um, Maxi Musarov, the Kazakh kid, I like him. Uh, Yegor Suchkov, Daniel Bashkirov, Daniel Alalekin. Three guys all play on Ufa together. They're great. 
uh, a lot of fun to watch. I don't know about Sheshin. I have him here because his numbers are too good to ignore, but I have questions about him still. I don't know if I would draft him, but hey, he's fun to watch. Um, Siplikov, I'm not totally sold on, really. Yelizarov, I don't think so. I think he's just the one defenseman in the MHL who really has his head in the game all the time, but I feel like his skating isn't that great. Um, really smooth skater, but nothing outside of that. And I think he's just competent, and that shows better in that league if you're a defenseman. Uh, that sounds bad, but I would check out that league. Uh, Takir Mingachov, I like his numbers, but I've never seen anything out of his game where I'm really excited about it. I think I'd want to see another year of him before jumping the gun. Um, but definitely Suchkov, Bashkarov, Musarov, and probably Alalekin as well in there. They're, those are all really good players. Um, Destroyer of Moons. Well, as long as it's not destroying Earth. Uh, hey, Will, I've always loved your content. Thank you very much. Who would fit nicely with the Kings in your opinion? How do you think Turcotte and Cali ever progressing after last year? Turcotte, I'm not surprised, left Wisconsin. That team was hard to watch at times. Um, he really didn't seem to get his feet set at all. I'm curious to see what happens with him next year, whatever that is. Um, I think he's a really good player. Don't know if he's NHL ready, though, so I don't know what the plan is there, but but he's a good player. Cali have had a huge year. I don't know if anyone's surprised by that, and I know people are ragging on him. I think that, you know, those people are either group thinking or just seeing the negatives because what that guy does... I've said it a few times. I saw him play a game against Ottawa when I was watching Marco Rossi early on in the year, and he literally hit Marco Rossi behind the net so hard that Rossi ended up horizontal in the air and landed flat on his back. Um, I don't, I do not see, you know, if he can do that, then he can do that. Uh, so it's a matter of what's in here for him, and that's his, and he'll go as far as this wants to take him. And I think in LA, they'll have all the time in the world to make it work with him. Um, you know, he might be just an excellent AHL player at some point, but there's so, so much talent. There's so much talent with Kaliev. And as long as he wants to use it on a night in, night out, shift in, shift out basis, it, it would make his already very good results in, in the OHL even even better uh, at the next level. But he's really going to need to sort, sort of sort that out. He was better this year than he was last year. Um, but yeah, still not perfect. But the uh, the pros to me outweigh the cons with him. Uh, you know, like a, a guy that I always like to talk about with regards to Kaliev is Thomas Vanek, who during his time was among the most prolific scorers in the league. Most of it was the power play, whatever, and Kaliev is not just a power play producer. But if you end up with a guy like Thomas Vanek, who you want to pull your hair out when he's playing defense, but he scores a lot, not so bad to get at 32 if he's going to be a guy who's sneakily top 20, 30, 40 in NHL scoring during the whole period that he plays. Um, Mathis Desjardin. How do you rank Powell, Sobrango, Knazko? Oh my, you love these long lists, man. Um, geez. Uh, Powell. Powell, Sobrango. I don't even have him in there. Um, Knazko, uh, O'Rourke, uh, Thompson, I don't have ranked. Mancini, I do. Uh, Knasko, O'Rourke, Mancini, Powell. There you go. And Thompson and, uh, the others. Not sure. Um, I, I like Samuel Knasko, but he very easily could be nothing. Not a huge fan of Ryan O'Rourke, but 
there's definitely more there that's projectable i would say than victor mancini but whoopsie victor mancini though is not is not a bad player i just feel like he could be available way later and he would be a good pickup uh and eamon powell um i'd like him a lot i've liked him less and less the, the longer the season's gone on but but he's a good defensive defenseman i think uh decent offensive tools but not fantastic jack thompson i just don't think there's enough there uh started really hot and just kind of fizzled and sobrango i know there's people who really like him and i probably should have him ranked i just i don't know again another one of these guys that i just don't think moves the needle enough for me um you know no, no one that really has he's a guy who hasn't outside of his sort of tools he's very toolsy he's not really a guy where i've been watching him actually play and i go oh i oh i get it now you know maybe i need to watch more but but he's just not a guy that's really caught my eye this year yet uh someone with the name doesn't matter well poor guy or girl i don't know ottawa has seven picks in the first two rounds how would you approach that in this draft uh i would draft a lot of good players um (laughs) i don't know i don't know man i just draft players and hope for the best you're gonna better get some good ones with those uh how do people justify saying jonathan taves is great defensively when he's a minus two he's that was he's older now he's you cannot make the argument that Jonathan Taves has not been a great two-way player for his whole career. Uh, and Chicago was terrible this year. So, yeah. Uh, thoughts on Hugo Steef and Lucas Romberg? I like both those guys. Uh, Steef and Romberg, though, I'm not sure they're guys that really move the needle. Um, I'm just trying to figure... Uh, let me pull them up here. Steef. Hugo Steef and... What's the other guy? Uh, I have him. I lost it. Ramberg. I might also need to see the names, the teams these guys play on. Uh, okay, so. Yeah. I've definitely seen a lot more of Hugo Steef. Um, and he's, like, fine. I'm not sure there's enough there for really to really warrant a pick. I feel like he's not the smartest defenseman. He sometimes leaves his team out to dry. Uh, good numbers though, especially at even strength, but uh, still not not extremely thrilled uh, about his upside. But but he's okay, I guess. And then Lucas Romberg, I haven't seen enough of him to have a really good opinion on him. I was hoping that pulling up his name and and, and everything would 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 trigger with some thoughts because I've seen this team play, um, but nothing's really jumped out uh, to me right now. But some of the data really favors Steve in this regard. Um, so I would, I'd probably be looking at stiff first. He was on my ranking list for a while, but the more I watched of Moto, the more I just kind of felt he was another one of these guys who isn't really moving the needle a whole lot for, for me, um, overall, uh, Tony Ferrari, what position do you think needs a high IQ to play more than any other center easy? Uh, you gotta, you can't be an idiot playing the center, the middle of the ice. If you leave it open too much or you don't cover it well enough or, you know, you, 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 you play too unrefined, like you're flying around the defensive zone too much without covering your tracks. Uh, you're dead in the water, uh, anticipating play, getting your breakouts set up, um, knowing where your teammates are. That's pivotal to being a center. It's why I have Marat Kuznadinov ranked so high. He always seems to know where his teammates are all the time. Uh, he knows how to get the puck to them. He's elusive. He's determined. He works his tail off to, to, to sort of facilitate play positively, which to me is what I'm looking for. I don't really like points are important and points are usually indicative of players who push play, which is the whole point of what I'm doing. But the more and more I watch and the more and more you track, the more and more you realize just how important what goes into that production is. So turning pucks up the ice, 
not coughing it up, not, you know, panicking under pressure, uh, knowing where your teammates are, using your teammates effectively. Nothing drives me crazier than seeing a guy with the puck on his stick go right up the defensive, you know, right up the boards and basically skate right into their open teammate uh, who's skating in the neutral zone waiting for their pass. You know, it's like, dude, you have a guy streaking up the ice and you can have your speed and get into the defense, into the offensive zone and, and cross behind them or something. You know, there's a billion different options other than you skating into a defensive encounter in the neutral zone uh, one-on-one and you're two feet away from your teammate who was waiting for the pass anyway. Um, stuff like that drives me nuts. And uh, so I, I like unselfish players, players who are responsible, um, play well at both ends of the ice. Uh, but obviously I'm always drawn to the guys who are putting up good results. It's just working backwards from the results that, that is where I sort of dig into that kind of thing. Um, but definitely, definitely playing center, I think, cause you can play defense and just be really, really conservative and let play come to you and, and just deal with it and make a living doing it. Um, you know, playing wing, you can basically do the same thing if you if you wanted to but with centers you really can't you know with bad centers your team is not as quick they don't move the puck as effectively and if you can't move the puck around the ice effectively with control then you're dead in the water uh it makes it way way harder to play um and and it it makes it way harder to play competent defense as well i I think because your defensemen need that third leg to stand on once in a while and usually you can't like usually wingers aren't that job but sometimes they are sometimes sometimes they are which is fine but but definitely i look for for centers to to be very spatially aware of what's going on around them a lot um michael anderson what's your favorite country when it comes to hockey finland um how would you rank forster posh and francis chromiak and gwen oh my god uh, um okay uh let's let's do this um I mean, this probably just means that I need to put a ranking out. Um, I've been so busy trying to get things organized um, for video work that that the writing, the ranking part, seems to be on a on a on a back on the back burner for now. But maybe in the next couple of weeks, I'll throw something together for you. Uh, but in order, Quinn, Posh, and Chromiak, Forster, Francis, and I'm pretty sure I'm confident about that. Um, Poshin and Quinn are pretty much back to back in my rankings. I love Alexander Poshin, uh, tons and tons of upside there. Uh, Martin Chromiak, I'm cooler on him than most. Some people are putting him in the first round, but that's a number. That's one where you look at the results and go back and go, okay, Shane Wright and Zade Wisdom are really good players and Martin Chromiak is facilitating it, but I wouldn't say he's this hidden gem that no one has even bothered to think about. I think he's a good pick in the second round, especially if you have a lot of high-octane offensive talent. Um, but yeah, there's stuff with Martin Chromiak that I definitely would question. Uh, and Forster, not totally high on him, but, you know, good trigger man. Francis, cooler and cooler as the year went on, but still a decent player. I, I like him, but not as sold on him as the others. Okay. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on Helga Granz's chances of being the best Swedish defenseman in this draft? It's possible. It's also possible with him. I really like William Wallander, though. I, the, his potential is huge. So I like him, uh, but but Granz, I think, has more is more projectable. I think that he's more refined in his game. Like, there's more, uh, you know, people say he's an offensive defenseman. Personally, at even strength, I find him to be a real defensive player and more of a breakout, pace-controlling player. Really good passer. 
um, you know, just knows how to hold on to the puck really well and keep possession. Um, you know, not the best defensive defensive player, but in terms of moving pucks around the ice and preventing neutral zone play, he's really good at it. The power play, he just fires it at the net and the puck goes in sometimes and he gets his points. Um, but but there is potential for him to be a good, at least in the defensive sense and just possession control, he's pretty good at it. I think there's more upside with Wallander, but there's definitely more risk there as well. Uh, Granz could easily be a guy you convinced me to take in the second or in the first round, sorry. Um, but I'm just not quite there like as a no-brainer. Uh, M. Lewis, any talent coming out of the NAHL? Not that I know of, unfortunately, I don't think. Um, if Spencer Knight and Askarov are both available, who would be your choice? Askarov, pretty much every day of the week. Uh, thoughts on Quinn? Good player, really, you know, nice skill, really good finishing ability. Um, you know, the numbers don't lie. There's no BS there. I, I look at his age and, you know, the fact that he, I think someone mentioned it about line matching. I could see him not being quite on the, uh, you know, against the best competition, but I don't have any data to back that up. But being a really good second-line OHL player and scoring however many goals he scored is not a bad thing. Um, I like him. I just think that he's going to be drafted before I'm ready to take him. Uh, he's a good goal scorer, uh, but but I kind of question things. He's He's got good skill as well. Um, and I have him way higher than I had him ranked earlier in the year. He's at 23 for me. Like, would I take him over Poirier? Probably, but that would be a really close discussion, and I would want to get into the details. But between guys like him and Gushin and, and Jarvis and Paterka and, and Reichel, you know, Mercer even, that, though that's a tough one for me to, to convince me. But again, this is the reason I do tiers. I have a group of guys from 11 to 31 where I think you could have a discussion about who should go where and why. So... If the case was made by my team or by the data that I had, which I don't have quite yet for Jack Jack Quinn, then maybe Quinn is the guy at number 11 that I look at. Maybe. I would really not do it, probably. But but if there was enough of a push, then I would, re- I w- you know, but, but, but if it was, say, at 11 and it's Hendrix LaPierre or Jean-Luc Foudie or Robbie Arventi, then I'd probably be like, no, nah, I don't think so. Um, you know, and I... I, I, I yeah, so I think he's a good goal scorer. He's he's got good skill. Should be a decent scoring winger, I would say. Um, but again, not extremely a guy that that I'm thinking ten to fifteen. I'm looking at him unless there's a real push from from people that aren't me. Uh, okay, who are the best skaters through the neutral zone as per your tracking data? Uh, well, let's just assume that that is. So the one thing that I have done, uh, so we'll, we'll filter for three games or more uh, of the games that I've, of the guys that I've tracked. Um, where is it here? Oh, here it is. So let's sort you by that and then that. So hmm, right up there are guys like Danny Gushin, um, yeah, Gooschin Byfield is up there as well. Uh, who else? Paterka is pretty darn good getting those transitions as well. Uh, Marco Rossi is is really good at it. Um, but yeah, one that's probably a good list. I'd say Gooschin Byfield at least for forwards. Gooschin Byfield. Um, 
Paterka for sure and Rossi would be the ones that I would note first. Uh, in terms of defensemen, they're not getting a tremendous amount of, obviously they're not getting a tremendous amount of offensive uh, <laughs> zone exits and entries and stuff, but Mancini's actually really close to the top. He is the top defenseman for the bigger sample size guys. Mancini, Yermo, Wallander, uh, Nikishin is surprisingly good as well. So so that's important to also note. Um, but yeah, I would definitely have guys like Mancini, Yermo, and Wallander right up there as well for for that for defensemen because they, they they don't do the blue line crossing thing as much as a forward does um but it, you know it's good to see them do that um okay let me just open that up there okay next uh niraj what are your thoughts on ridley greig yeah good eye test he works hard tons of determination but again if he's a guy that goes in the first round i'm happy to let someone else take that chance i i don't know the data doesn't really like him i i like his eye test as well but again i I think there's a really sort of sort of i guess a high floor but not much of a ceiling for him and and i think middle rounds maybe you take a look at him i like zade wisdom a lot for a guy like that and if that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for a guy like wisdom uh nathan hi nathan uh you show up sometimes from time to time oh heartbroken uh what are your thoughts on who has the better defensive game between rossi and lindell well lindell i think he's bigger stronger um plays in a tougher league still really good defensively in fact i think he was as good yeah so he's as good as a suppressor in his own end as marco rossi was this year in the ohl um i really like anton lindell but again if you were looking for a you know middle six guy who could play extremely good defensively then that's your guy and Marco Rossi, I think, just has more upside in terms of he'll probably, if all goes well, probably be a better scorer. Um, but Anton Lindell, I think, has an, one of the most refined defensive games we've seen in a little while. Uh, he's a really, really talented player uh, in the neutral zone and in his own end. Um, so yeah, definitely Lindell on that. Uh, oh, we jumped up again. Here we are. Uh, Askarov versus Sorokin versus Shestyorkin. Well, I'm taking probably Shestyorkin right now because he plays in the NHL and he's very good. The other two, I don't know. So I'm going to put my chips on uh, the, I'm putting my chips on black and taking the guy that that's good uh, right now in the NHL. Uh, Stefan Jacques. Hello. Um, daddy, daddy. That's a good one. If, if Detroit gets first overall and all, I get second, it gets third and fourth sends off for the two picks for the first overall. Ooh, um, I mean, that's an interesting question. Like looking at my rankings, assuming three and four are are, you have the choice of Rossi, Raymond, Stutzla, and you get two of them, and you pass on Lafreniere, Byfield. My gut says you do it. In the past, all it's taken to move up from third overall to first are a couple of picks. You know, I think the price of that is much higher now. But I look at Lafreniere and Byfield and think. You know, I look at Byfield and go, okay, if all goes right, then he definitely could be looked back on as the best player to come out of this draft. And I feel like passing on him potentially being that is really hard. Uh, That would be a really hard decision to make. There's a chance Marco Rossi never lives up to his potential. I'm admitting that. There's a chance that, you know, I think Tim Stutzel is going to be a great player, but I don't think, I think there's a chance that maybe he doesn't be this extremely electrifying offensive winger. Lucas Raymond, I think he's a great two-way player, but in terms of point production, might not be a guy that that really lights the lamp a whole lot. But I think guys like Lucas Raymond are guys that you win with. Uh, guys like Marco Rossi, guys that you win with. Um, you know, and, and I don't think I would do it, 
but that's a lot of value you're getting for the first overall pick. It would be interesting to think about, but you probably would still just take the guy who's probably most NHL ready, the guy who's probably going to be a great two-way player for your team for a long time in Alexi Lafreniere, uh, and, and just take your money and run. I don't know. It would be a really tough decision, but I think I would keep it because there are some things that you could say you should be re- concerned about at three and four. But if you did it, I would respect the 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 strength of will to do it, we'll call it. Uh, Keith French Fries, hello. In theory, the Red Bull Academies could be development clubs like the US NT- NTDP. What do you, would you do bring... Uh, Okay, so the Red Bull Academy actually is getting bigger, as far as I can tell. They're hiring more people. It's getting more and more attention. Um, they've developed some good players. John Jason Paterka is now the really the first that's a real high-level um, player to come out of that program. I really like uh, that that idea of a centralized program for maybe lesser-represented players and, and lesser-represented countries like Austria, Germany, you know, lower division Swedish hockey, etc., uh, gives them an opportunity to learn and, and play and, and just sort of a holistic sort of approach to it, which I really like. And I've always wanted to know more about that program. Um, I think just they need time. It's patience. Like, keep doing what you're doing. You know, John Jason Paterka stuck with that program the whole time, and he's and it's paid off. I think he goes, if not in the first round, early second, probably should be a first-round pick. But he's a good player, and there's more coming for them. There, there, there are some good players coming down the pipe for them. Um, and I think it's just a matter of, you know, you just have to keep up with it. The U S national development program has been around forever, relatively. And the Red Bull Academy is really only now just starting to really get its legs. Um, so patience friend, uh, thoughts on Michael Benning. Oh, how much more of the, Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to get through these because we're already running kind of late. So I apologize if I'm short thoughts on Michael Benning, not totally sure. He's all about the numbers that he puts up. Um, questionable about Sherwood park in general, I like him, but but like he's a second round guy to me. I think maybe third even, or even lower. Oh boy, where do I have him? Um, okay, so I have him third round. I think third fourth round. I I just think that he's just Mike Kester syndrome from last year. Guy got a ton of points against lower level competition. When things get ramped up, I think he kind of disappears a little. Um, big goat. Where do you think Kuznodinov will go in the draft? Later than he should. Tyler Stevens, Red Scott Wheeler gave you a mention in The Athletic the other day. He did. Uh, did you read his article? I did. Uh, it was pretty insightful. I mean, he loves to go through how he works and does his work, which is cool. Uh, it all kind of made sense to me. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of slightly different with what they value and how they approach it. Uh, and the transparency, I respect. And, and you know, he's, he's forthright about it and everything, which is great. And he name-dropped me, so that's good. Uh, I talk to Scott somewhat often, and, you know, he's a good dude, so there you go. Sean Boyd, is Stutzla good enough for Eisenman to take him first overall? I, I don't think so. That's a little nutty. Um, I mean, Eisenman's not afraid to do something shocking, but... Uh, uh, Remy Chevalier, hey, Will, if you continue to track Kaliev at all this year, if you do... So he's been better back... Uh, he's been better in terms of two-way play. Um, crazy good offensively, obviously, that was kind of expected. Uh, I haven't tracked any micro data on him, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, but I'm a big fan of Arthur Kaliev. That's not a secret. Thoughts on Tyson Forster. Kind of went over that earlier, like a couple of times. Power, power play guy, great shot on him, but I'm not, I'm not totally sold on like tons of upside. 
Wildcard. Do you think Dreisaitl has the potential to be the top player in the world or number two or three? Okay, I don't know what it is uh, with this whole meme now about Dreisaitl potentially being the best player in the world. You can. It is not complicated to go and see the data on him that shows that, yes, he's great offensively, but defensively, really not the same story whatsoever. Um, I think to be considered the best player in the world, you cannot be, like, below average defensively. Like, guys like even Connor McDavid is, like, average defensively. Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby, great defensively. Uh, other players that are, you know, like Evgeny Malkin, great at both ends of the ice. Um, Alex Ovechkin can at least hold his own in his own end, I guess you could say. Uh, I, I don't think Dreisaitl is there, but I'd say top 10 easy. I mean, he's a great player. Uh, and I don't know what this debate is about who's the best player or number three best player in the world. It's like every there's multiple ways of being an extremely talented NHL player. So if you want to call Dreisaitl the third best player in the world, I wouldn't, but go ahead. And I think that everyone kind of needs to recognize that you can you can say you can say whatever you want and whatever, but I'm not going to yell about it to my friends about who's the best player in the world and can you believe this person thinks this player is this and this and this. It's like there's evidence to say that Leon Dreisaitl is among the best offensive players in the league but not as all, not at all the same case in his own end. Do you weigh that as a negative? I kind of do, but do you if you don't, then okay, sure. If you want to put him on your team, great. I probably would too. But, you know, there's more to the game than just scoring points and just scoring goals. Certainly helps, and it certainly helps mask some of the downsides some players might have. Um, but he's a great player. I just I don't know. I don't know. I I probably wouldn't do that. Uh, but but he, I guess he could potentially be that. Maybe I don't know. I'm I'm. If I was a wizard, I would be a wizard. Uh, Jacob Horn. Any projected first rounders you think are rated much higher than they should be? Well, Jake Sanderson is starting to get there. Jack Quinn I think is a bit higher than he should be. Uh, Caden Gooley in the first round I think is a bit rich for me. Uh, he's a guy that I have in the second round. I like him, but but I just don't think he's the type of player that I use a first-round pick on. Um, same thing with Braden Schneider. Uh, those are the ones that immediately jump to mind. And I see people putting a guy like uh, Thomas Bortolo in the first round. I'm not totally sure about that either. He's a decent player, good, fun, skilled player, but I'm not sure there's quite enough there to really put him over the edge. Um, but outside of that, those are the ones that I would that I would note. Uh, okay. So someone asked a question about Sho Takai, uh, Michael Jang. He's a friend of yours. Doubt it. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, if you're, I'll just like I'm gonna be honest. Like, if you're going to the world uh, world juniors to play for Japan last year, awesome. By the way, that would be so cool. Um and you're the oldest age group that you can be and you score two points in that tournament, I don't I don't think you're moving the needle for anyone, so I, I doubt it. Um, you know, all the best, though, to your friend. I, I, they're, they're, there's more to this sport than just playing in the National Hockey League. So if he can turn it into a university degree, if he can turn it into, you know, maybe playing in Japan or something, 
uh, which I think would be really cool. Like if I was part of like, I'm basically all Canadian as far as it goes, Canadian and American, I'm boring, but I would, I think it would be really cool if I was unable in my life being say Japanese, being really unable to get to Japan for one reason or another. And then all of a sudden a Japanese club calls me up and says, Hey, would you want to try playing in the Asia ice hockey league? I'd love to do that. Um, that's just me, but, but I think that could be an interesting thing. So even if you're, you know, it doesn't look likely at all that your friend is going to get himself a draft pick, but that doesn't mean that, that that's it. There, there's more to the game and, and it's not always about the NHL personally. And I, and I hope that he sticks with it, keeps going and does his thing. And at the end of the day, you know, things usually work out as they should, I would say. So, uh, all the, all the best to your, to your buddy. Uh, Nathan Leger, do you think Rossi's ceiling point, what do you think Rossi's ceiling point wise is in the NHL? I don't even know. It's huge. I think he's got so much potential to score. Uh, he, he does it in a bunch of different ways. He's such a talented player. I have no idea what his potential is, but, uh, but I'm a fan. Uh, what are your thoughts on Emil Andre? <sighs> kind of went over him earlier. Good skill, better in the SHL from my viewing of the junior than the junior league. I, I like him, but I'm not totally sure about his like super high upside. Um, good puck mover, good, good good skater uh at least in terms of his agility so we'll see I, I i have him lower i have him at the end of the first round kind of flirts with my second round a little bit but somewhere in there uh how would you rank mercer perot nybeck reichel borkaner okay <laughs> i'm sorry i'm gonna need to blow through that one because it's uh i don't want to be here until 1 a.m uh ethan thoughts on ryan o'rourke not much of a needle mover competent defender i just feel like he's gonna have trouble when things get ramped up a guy who i have ranked pretty low and might end up ranking him even lower towards the end of the year just every time i've tracked him every time i've seen him uh just not not a huge needle mover for me nick mattioli who would be your starting lineup for prospects that you had high expectations for really enjoyed watching but didn't reach their potential and why i'm gonna take a rain check on that question because I don't think a lot of the guys that I have really high expectations for are done developing yet. I've only been doing this seriously since the 2017 draft, I would say. 2016 was just a fun little spreadsheet that I put together uh, and actually maintained manually. We're past that now, uh, so give me a couple of years and then we'll see. Sam Kohler, probably going to try to teach myself how to track games and players during quarantine. Any advice? This is a thing that I've actually thought about writing. Um, so I might do that. That gives me a, that gives me the motivation to do it. I know that I should, uh, because the way that I do it, it's similar, but kind of different to how most, at least from my experience, how most people are doing it. The, the core of it is while you're here is I try to focus on what exactly the player is doing and what the player, you know, like what effect on the game is the player having regardless of their teammates, right? So sometimes things happen, you know, there's a lot of context that comes into it. So you kind of have to accept that sometimes you might make a, an assessment that, you know, might not be a hundred percent the right call in one situation. And then you make up for it subconsciously in another situation. And it kind of evens itself out over time. But the way that I look at it is what am I looking for in a hockey player period? you know, I'm, I guess, question mark. I'm looking for guys who transition the puck up the ice, whether it's passing it or, or moving it themselves. Don't really care. How quick, how quickly are they moving it through the neutral neutral zone? That's why I'm timing things now. Uh, time on ice is important to keep track of. 
um, cause that can really skew your data if you don't scale it for, for per 60 minutes. Um, you know, where is the player taking shots from, you know, where is the player sending their passes? One thing I really want to start doing is shot assists. I haven't done that this year, but I would like to start doing that, you know, cause I do completed passes, passes, and dangerous pass attempts. So that doesn't give you a complete picture, but it gives you a pretty good indication of how the player moves the puck around the ice, you know? And you can look at positional differences and all that and call it a day. Um, so I, I just look at a lot of, uh, you know, transition data because that to me is really fundamental to the game. Passing data is very fundamental to the game. Uh, you know, and then just sort of raw shot metrics for both ends of the ice. Uh, both team, you know, both all shot attempts for both the opposing team and the team you're tra- the player you're tracking's team and then the individual shot attempts that that player is taking and where they're coming from. And that kind of gives you an indication of generally how the player's playing, how effective they are, and you can isolate players where maybe their shot attempt percentages are poor, but all the other stuff looks really good. Guys like John Jason Paterka are like that. Uh, Jean-Luc Foudy, in some sense, is like that. But So it gives you an idea to like build a picture of what you're looking at as a player and what you might want to work on moving forward. Um, so I'll think about writing something up that explains all this better but yeah that's a good question um also if you want just dm me on on twitter too or whatever like dm find a way to get in touch with me and and i'm happy to 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 chat uh heart of lad is here hello uh how do you view the three chicago steel draft eligible prospects does one fit the leafs mold more than the other i think sean farrell fits the leafs mold the most he's a really electric high octane winger who scores really good um really well I, I don't see the same pace of play out of Brisson or even Colangelo. Brisson's a good power play guy, can really shoot it, but I'm not totally sold on his five-on-five play at all. Uh, Colangelo's a good power guy, really determined and everything, but I think Sean Farrell fits the Leafs the most, personally. A lot of fun to watch. Um, he has that real jersey flapping in the wind skating thing where he can really fly around the ice uh, and score as well. Tyler Stevens, how much of Jack Quinn's success is by going up against an opponent's second lines? I don't know. I'd have to look into it, unfortunately. Who had the best rookie year from the 2019 draft class? Ugh. Uh, probably Jack Hughes. Probably, all things considered. Uh, who should the Habs draft at eight? Depends on who's available. Uh, but assuming it goes the way that my ranking is, let's say, probably either i'd say cole perfetti i mean you have cole caulfield on the way so maybe you get more of the same thing in alex holtz but i think cole perfetti would be a good ad uh don't really think yaroslav askarov would be a good ad for them right now unless you know i I don't know maybe but i would think it would be perfetti um i feel like that's a guy the habs would really like as well uh beyond that if you really want to go off the board you know the habs like physical specimens so depends on who's in the best shape (laughs) um brian mcavoy who do you what do you think about size when it comes to goalies it matters i think um they they might be undervalued but it's hard to tell if they're undervalued because you don't know until they hit the pros uh if there is under six foot or six foot goaltenders that are really good in professional leagues then sure you could bring them up especially if they're north american but no uh i i'm not super i i do value size for goaltending because a couple of this is a game of inches and a couple of inches can matter. Small goalies can make it work. It's just tougher. That's all. Um, so, but I still need to. I still need to see more uh, of goaltending and and learn more to know more. Sahaj Brar. I hope I said your name right. Thoughts on Perfetti's perfect projection going forward. 
I like Cole Perfetti. I think there's the chance that he doesn't reach his ceiling. I think his skating is good, but not great. Uh, at least it doesn't come out as often. But he's really he really reminds me of John Tavares a lot. You know, really resilient on his skates. Uh, really determined, good skill. He can really motor around the ice at his own speed. I guess it's hard to explain. He can really get around the ice at his own pace. And, and it's hard to get him off the puck. He's elusive. He's skilled. Uh, he can score, but also set up a play. Like he, I really see him as that sort of John Tavares style player. Um, and and if he's available at, I have him ranked eighth, but I would probably think about it as high as maybe six or seven, depending on who goes in front of him. I, I like him. I like him more and more the more I watch him. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that there's also that thing of if things get ramped up and you're playing against bigger opponents and stronger opponents, I'm not. There might be a bit of a hindrance to his developmental curve. I would say. Um, do you classify Byfield as a classic power forward with a longer, I don't think so. You know, Byfield really reminds me of like a more skilled guy. He plays like he's five foot nine, which is really crazy. You know, he can play physically. Um, but, but a thing that I've noticed with him is that he doesn't really use that enough or at least enough to his advantage. Uh, it's there, but, but I think that over time he's going to, he's more of like a finesse offensive player, like more of a, you know, like Joe Thornton doesn't throw his weight around a whole lot from what I can remember, but he still puts up a ton of points. Like there's a lot of playmaking skill to Byfield that I really, really like. He's got a great shot, especially from some, from between the face-off dots. He can get to those areas and get a quick shot off. Uh, he's a great player. I, I really, really like Quentin Byfield and he's not perfect, but, but he's very, in my opinion, very talented. And that, no, that's not super controversial. Uh, Gravite. How NHL ready do you see Byfield? Pretty close. I don't know if I, I, he could probably play in the NHL and get away with it. Um, he's a really good player. I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to the juniors, but but for me, I would give him at least a cup of coffee in the NHL and see what he can do because he's big enough, he's fast enough, he's you know skilled enough. Um, I, I think he's really talented. Yes, uh, yes, Kind of hard question, but who do you think is the most underrated finished prospect in this year's draft? Yoni Yermo. Uh, Nicholas DeMack. Now that you mentioned it, what happens with the Canucks conditional first-round pick if the NHL doesn't get concluded? Um, I don't, so, okay, I'm going to bang. Okay. So fantasy tools, tools, entry draft board, Vancouver. So the pick will go to the devils. Okay. So I cannot see a situation where the NHL plays the rest of the regular season. So I'm going to operate under the assumption that the standings are going to finish as they are. And the Canucks would make it to the playoffs would they no they would they would make it i think i don't know i need to kind of think quickly here it looks like i'm gonna say they're gonna make it which means that if there are playoffs the 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 pick wouldn't transfer uh but if the season's just straight up canceled nobody made the playoffs and so i think the pick would transfer to 2021 and the Canucks would keep their pick. Um, or the, yeah, the Canucks would keep their pick. That's kind of my hunch. Um, that, that's what I would say. Evan Bouchard, Buster Steele. Too early to say, but I think he's a great pick. Uh, where are you starting to look at Ovchinikov? It looks like he might go undrafted, so if you can get him in the seventh round, you get him. I have him in my second round. Call me crazy, but that's how I feel. Um, I would start looking in the third, fourth round, but if he's going to slip all the way to the end, there you go. But I can't imagine that all 31 teams are going to pass on him that many times. Um, what is your site? Scouching.ca. 
check it out it's fun uh which players do you think will play in the nhl this season i would next season i would say laugh probably byfield i bet rossi gets a cup of coffee stutzla probably gets a cup of coffee as well beyond that i'm not sure i think raymond needs more time drysdale needs more time uh holtz needs more time askarov more time perfetti probably more time as well I, i i think those guys need more time um in your opinion who's the most overrated forward in this year's draft well hmm. it's hard to say I, you know i i think in terms of what he could be i think i think connor zari might be a little overrated i really like connor zari and have him ranked pretty high but i think he's going to be just a very good middle six center and and that's worth having i mean if you have a ton of potential on your team uh to score points at will i think connor zari is a good add in terms of of just sort of playing competently and and being a good transition center with great offensive instincts and just really smart in the offensive end but i think that in terms of putting him really really high i'm not seeing it tremendously anymore um but i'm trying to think of other forwards that i think are it's hard i mean i think people are getting way up on guys like jack quinn but we all know that um uh, I think Will Cooley is one that a lot of people are really high on that I certainly am not. That might be the one that I think everyone's thinking. That might be the guy that I would say is the most, I'd say, overrated, Will Cooley. And I think I saw someone ask when it flew by that Will Cooley is whatever, um, what my thoughts were. But yeah. Uh, in my personal opinion, Drysdale should be third overall. Cool. Uh, who's your number three? Uh, Rossi right now. Thoughts on drafting by position versus best player available. Always the best player available because when you draft by position, you make holes elsewhere. Um, you're you're drafting guys who aren't going to play for your team for another year or two at least. So why are you trying to get ahead of issues that your team has in two years when you have no idea what your team is going to look like in two years? Um, anything can happen. And, and I would rather draft the best player available, trade other guys for positions that you need later on, and uh, and go from there rather than cross your fingers and hope all your problems are solved by drafting on need two years in advance. Um, fast forward 10 years, who are the top three goal scorers from this draft? I would say Holtz. Uh, hmm. F- fast forward how many years? 10 years. I'd say Holtz will be up there. You know what? Byfield could be. I think he's got a great shot on him and a great goal scorer's instinct. Um rossi might also be up there jack quinn maybe but i don't know i don't i don't really see that cole perfetti might be up there as well i think he's got a nice shot on him as well and and he could score um i i would say being realistic byfield holtz and and perfetti probably um with rossi being sort of the dark horse there oh what are your thoughts on will cooley not sure at all about him at all and i think that people putting him in the first round i think are looking for something very, very specific. And I don't even think he's the best at, at that either. Um, oh, look at all this nice conversation going back and forth. Antonio Strange's upside. I don't know. Uh, I need to see more. The more I watch, the more I go, I don't know what the point is of what you're doing. Like, there's just not a lot of IQ there. There's a lot of talent, but not a lot of IQ. And I think he just tries to do a lot on his own. Decent player, but I, I'm not sure where he goes with his career. Um, you know, might just be a good AHLer long term, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, say nice things about Tristan Robbins. Got better as the year went on. Really talented. Uh, good skater. Uh, fine. He's good. I have him in my late second, I think, right now, and and he's p- 
pretty impressive, especially down the back half. Uh, what streaming sites do you use for watching games? Hockey TV, uh, YouTube. Um, what are some other ones that are out there? Svensk TV, uh, Liga, uh, or sorry, Rutu Plus is a, is a streaming service as well. Pretty decent. Um, Heart of Lad, you're welcome, my friend. Good, good man, that Heart of Lad. Find him and follow him on the Twitters. Uh, a good, a good reporter, good reporter boy. Um, bot ice. Do you think the value of defensemen like uh, Sanderson or Gooley will be inflated this year due to a lack of top defensive prospects? Yes, uh, yes, I do. Especially big physical defensemen who teams seem to love a lot. Um, everyone's looking for the next Jacob Slavin right now, just like how everyone was looking for the next Brad Marchand for a while. Everyone was looking for the Rav for the next Patrice Bergeron. Everyone was looking for the next Carey Price. Everyone's everyone's always looking for the next insert trendy player here, and everyone seems to be looking for the next Jacob Slavin. Um, Jacob Slavin was a mid-round pick probably for a reason. Uh, you, you, I, I always try not to time the market on these kinds of things. I like Jake Sanderson. He's perfectly fine. I, I do. But if you're pitching him in the top 10 and you're going to pass on a guy like alexander holtz or cole perfetti or anton lindell then you're kind of losing me there um he plays on a down year ntp team and a down year league in the ushl um you know he's a good defensive defenseman with with flashes of offensive tools and i just don't know i don't know uh and Gooley, i like Gooley, but he's a guy who i think chases the hits too much and puts himself out of position um good num good numbers from the games that i've tracked but but yeah i don't know i I, i'm a little bit questionable of just how good his mobility is when he gets to the next level at the end of the day but he's a good player and if he was there in the in the second round sometime which i doubt i would be i could be convinced to to take a swing on him i just like guys that are a bit riskier in terms of their offensive upside and the sort of tools they have and with Gooley, I'm not totally sure I see the same level of tools out of some of the other defensemen that I have ranked higher than him, uh, which would be like Yermo. You know, like Niemela is a very good defensive defenseman. I really like Topi Niemela as a defensive defenseman, and he doesn't need to go out there and play like Caden Gooley. Um, you know, Helga Granz, Lucas Cormier. You know, if you want, but if you wanted to pitch, you know, uh, Caden Gooley over Lucas Cormier, I'm all ears. Let's talk about it. I'd be happy to relent on that, but. I just, you know, it's a gut feeling there. Um, and yes, so yes, to answer your question, they're inflated. What do you think of Dawson Mercer and Seth Jarvis projection to the NHL? Complimentary scoring forwards, you can never have too many. I like Dawson Mercer more than Seth Jarvis, but Jarvis turned into something totally different halfway through this year. I think he became way more assertive, but I found that he was doing stuff that you can't really always get away with in the NHL. Mercer, I think, has great finishing ability, some of the best finishing ability in the NHL, just extremely creative. Uh, by NHL, I mean draft, best in the draft. Really creative, just kind of knows how to put the puck in the net. Seth Jarvis, I think the tracking work I've done on him will really depend on how the season progressed for him, so we'll see towards the end of the year, I guess towards when the draft shows up. Uh, Niraj, you don't think Lafreniere will be a top three goal scorer in 10 years? I think he'll be a top 10 point scorer, but not totally sure about goals on their own. I mean, he's a great sh scorer with a great shot. Um, but, I mean, Alexander Holtz is unbelievable at scoring goals. And 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 Quinton Byfield has a tremendous shot. Um, you know, like, 
Byfield scored more goals per game in a tougher defensive league to me uh, than Lafreniere did this year. And that's notable. So, yeah, I, I, I think that Lafreniere is going to probably have a tremendous amount of points in his career. Uh, but in terms of goal scoring, he's in that, I'd say, top five-ish. But, yeah, he's more of a, an all-around offensive player, you know, which is explained by him having basically twice as many assists as he has goals. Two assists for every goal, usually, you know, that he's doing everything basically. Um, have you ever been contacted by an by the NHL to aid their draft with your work? Not, no, not directly. No, not for actual work. Um, where do you have Brandon Coe ranked? Second round, I think. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the draft. Big, skilled winger. I think he's going to go higher than people think. I have him at fifty. That's that's where I'm at. Um. Does en- does anything stand out in Jan Kuznetsov's game? Hard to say because he's so young playing in the NCAA. I don't know. I need to see more, but I'm not totally sure about him at all. He's on my watch list, but I don't know. Competent defensive player, good, decent skater, good at kind of good at everything, but just nothing really jumps out to me about him uh, when I've seen him play in the NCAA. And his World Junior A was, was fine, I'd say. Uh, it, it was pretty good, but not anything that I'm like jumping over the moon about. But he is very young playing where he plays. Uh, Remy Chevalier, hello. Any thoughts on Bjorn Fote? He was one of them that wasn't on my radar, but seemed to have really made an impact in the AHL. Uh, yeah, his data last year was kind of eh, but I always came away really impressed watching him. I, I liked him. I, I think he's a decent player in terms of just all-around defensive play, uh, all-around just a good player, and it's translated to North America. They, they can afford to be patient with him. I don't think there's any reason to rush a Tobias Bjorn Fote. I thought it was a bit of a reach, but I think he's he's a solid player. Um, good mobility, good defensive play with his stick, uh, you know, can play offensively as well, can walk a blue line. I, I like him. Um, not sure what his ceiling is, though, really. Uh, okay, Nathan Leger. We're getting there. I'm going to put a moratorium on the, on, the, on the questions here. I'm sorry, but I have to. I'm losing my voice here. Uh, do you see Ottawa potentially going for Holt since they lack a true goal-scoring prospect? I don't know about Holtz that high. It depends on where their pick is. I have Holtz at nine, and I probably wouldn't touch him until seven or eight. So if your pick is in that range, then sure. But uh, there's a lot of stuff. So Holtz is coming out tomorrow. You'll find out more about what I think about him tomorrow. Um, But I don't know. I don't think you chase the goal scoring if you have a chance to land something more diversified up high. Uh, I could see it, maybe, but... There are you don't need someone drafted to specifically be your goal scorer to have a team that scores a lot of goals. Um, I see a lot of Phil Kessel, for example, in Alexander Holtz. And if you want that type of a player who, coming from a person in Toronto, was pretty divisive, you could say Alexander Holtz belongs on your team. But I think that you'd be passing up a lot to take him that high, personally. Um... Will, will you come back on the DV Denver Avalanche podcast and talk draft again? I'm sure I will. Uh, I talk to AJ all the time. Uh, not so much lately, but but we talk quite often, and I would love to go back. He's a great dude. We always had a lot of chemistry on that podcast. It was a lot of fun. Um, Bot Ice, if you had to draft a defenseman at 17, which prospects do you think would be good value at that pick? Well, at that pick, um, I mean, if you want to play risky, Poirier probably. Uh, I could be swayed on Sanderson there. Wallander might be an interesting pick at 17, depending on who's available. 
Those are the three that would really stick out to me. Poirier, Wallander, and Sanderson at 17, that high. Um, though Those would be the ones I would say. But there are a lot of good forwards in that range. But there's, you know, like the defensemen are riskier in that range, but the, but the upside is pretty big with them. Uh, anyway, that's going to be it for tonight, guys. Uh, I uh, had a good time. This was one of the bigger ones we've ever had outside of the draft one, which is happening again this year, I think, if, as long as there's no actual draft for me to go to. Um, but this was great. Thank you very much. Uh, have you ever heard of Cade Weber? I have. I've seen him play. He's a guy. I don't know. Um, but yes, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, this was lovely. Uh, I hope you are all staying safe and happy, uh, and positive during this. Um, please try to be patient. I know that there's signs that there's positiveness coming out of this thing. I mean, Ontario had a pretty bad day, uh, in terms of new cases and I believe deaths, which is sad, but, um, stay calm, listen to medical experts, you know, just keep your head on straight. We're all, we're all doing the right thing and, um, the economy will survive. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, we'll see you on Sunday night, 8 30 PM and, uh, have a great week. Um, Thank you very much. See you around.